Hello, this is Do Go On. I'm Matt Stewart. And I'm Taran Jayamana. And uh, we're in Sydney. And uh, we're about to be in Brisbane. And we're doing live shows. They're called Dry Dryer. And also, who knew with Matt Stewart in both those cities? And you can get details at mattstewartcomedy.com. Anything else you want to tell the good listeners that do go on, Saran? Well, the whole point of this was you thought that it might be more engaging if you had a different voice. But you've said most of the information. So, hey, come see us in Sydney and Brisbane. Yeah, that was engaging. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. This podcast is brought to you by Squarespace, the all-in-one website platform for entrepreneurs to stand out and succeed online. Whether it's your first ever website or your business is expanding, Squarespace makes it easy to create a beautiful website and engage with your audience. Upload video content, organize your video library and showcase your content on beautiful video pages. You can even sell access to your video library by adding a paywall to your content. Cha-ching. <laughs> you can help with written content on your website with Squarespace AI, which I used to write this next sentence, so check this out. Generate instant, personalized results that know and show your brand identity. Explain what your site is about, choose your tone, and enter what you need to get short or long-form text. Squarespace AI, Squarespace AI makes it easier to go live, stand out, and succeed online. Oh, Dave, if only it could also not just write it, but read it too. <laughs> And edit it. (laughs) Hey, sell exclusive content on your site by adding a paywall to sell memberships or courses. Or sell files your customers can download like PDFs, music or ebooks. Man, it's starting to sound like I'm obsessed with money. (laughs) (laughs) And you are. So head to squarespace.com slash do go on for a free trial and to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. Welcome to another episode of Do Go On. My name is Ev Warnicke and as always I'm here with Jess Perkins and Matt Stewart. Hey Dave, hey Jess, so good to be here. Hey, isn't it great to be alive? <laughs> Stop trying to make that your catchphrase. No, I, hey, it, it's better than almost anything else he says. So let's let him have this as a catchphrase. <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> well, I'll say from now on. You're welcome to it. Anyway, great to be alive, great to be here. Um, just very quickly before we get into the episode, I should let everyone know that we're doing a new concept, a new live show at this year's Melbourne International Comedy Festival. It's called Do Go On The Quiz. We're back in quiz form. We are back in quiz form. We're doing three shows on Monday nights at the Melbourne Town Hall. We've made it, baby, the Melbourne Town Hall. And thank you so much to everyone who's already bought tickets. But if you would like to join those beautiful people, you can go to comedyfestival.com.au. The times are April 4, 11 and 18 at 9 o'clock at the Melbourne Town Hall. And we're doing a quiz show where I'm the host, Jess and Matt are the team captains. They're bringing in special guests from the Melbourne Comedy Festival and beyond. And uh, I quiz them about a topic from history. So at the end of the episode, or the end of the show, basically, just like do go on, you'll have learned about something. We've also had some fun with it. Yeah, it's basically... It's basically a report uh, but with questions throughout, which is fun. I love it. I'm looking forward to it. I think it's going to be really good. I'm really excited. It's going to be fun. And people can also come to my show uh, 
if they want to, with Alistair Trombay Birchall called... <laughs> Got away from me there. Oh, what is it called? Honk, honk. Honk, honk. Hubba, hubba, ring-a-ding-ding. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> can't wait uh, Can't wait to get back on the stage at the Melbourne Con- Comedy Festival. It's going to be so much fun. Uh, more details for well, both of those shows in the show notes. The Do Go On Quiz is on Monday nights at the Town Hall. Big time. Big time. Anyway, uh, Dave, can you just quickly explain how this show works for new listeners? Well, it's like Do Go On The Quiz Show without the questions. That's how I describe it. But in case you haven't seen Do Go On The Quiz Show because no one has yet, it hasn't premiered, uh, what we do is we take it in turns to report on a topic often suggested by a listener. That person goes away, does a bit of research, brings it back to the other two. And um, we usually start with a question because it's Matt's turn to report and he's picked a topic that Jess and I have no idea what it's going to be. Dave, you just said without the questions. And then by the okay, end of there, that... There's same. one question. <laughs> but the, the questions at the quiz show will be much more exciting. Oh, yeah, probably. No offence. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> and I'll have fair. you know I ask very exciting questions throughout <laughs> all reports. Mm. Like, what's that? <laughs> I've got a gun over there. <laughs> <laughs> what's that? I've got a gun over there. <laughs> that is a good question. I'll write that down. I'll write that down for my quiz. That's a good one. <laughs> my question today, though, is... To get us on a topic, <laughs> my gun, what is that over there? <laughs> Doesn't that sound like a TV show that Betty White briefly hosted in the yeah. 1950s? And it was good. My, my question is, what great sporting event had its origin in the year 1966? Oh, my God. Ooh, oh, my God. Are we finally doing the AFL St Kilda Grand Final? No, it's not that. Even bigger. <gasps> the time England won their one and only World Cup. No, even bigger. That is, it is a football though, not an uh, English football and not an Australian football. Gaelic football. Not Gaelic football. Handball but with feet. No, it's not hand football. <laughs> Can't think of another football. Oh, is it? Is it a big event? It is a big event. Held once a year. It is held once a year. With a couple of quarterbacks. Yes. A couple of wide receivers. Uh-huh. And then... The coach gets dunked at the end. <laughs> is it the Super Bowl? It is the Super Bowl. <laughs> That's exciting. Which is coming up. Uh, if you're listening to this show the week it comes out, it's coming up real soon. So um, I thought what better time than here? No, than now. <laughs> what better place <laughs> what than better now? better time <laughs> than here? <laughs> <laughs> strong start. Strong, what strong better start. time than how? <laughs> <laughs> Two great questions so far. One, what's that? What's that? I've got a gun over there. And what better time than? How? <laughs> you? Anyway, I can't even. I can't even repeat these questions. They're, They're that, that good. good. So uh, the Super Bowl. This topic was suggested by Harry Worrell from Telford in the UK and Jonas from Denmark. Interestingly, no one, no Americans suggested it. They, really? I'm guessing they're they're like we know about it. We don't want you to yeah. butcher the t- yeah. the tale of the Super Bowl. But, uh, yeah, uh, our European friends, at least a couple of them, are interested. Uh, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go back, and I do this mistake sometimes. I went maybe too far back. <laughs> I went, I've gone, you know, decades prior to the Super Bowl. <laughs> the big bang. <laughs> <laughs> well, there, look, honestly, without a primordial soup, there was no Super Bowl. So let's start there. We always start with the fucking soup. <laughs> No, so the, the NFL's origin is pretty complex. Maybe worth uh, worthy of its own episode down the track sometime if people are interested. But I'll, I'll go through it briefly. 
Uh, so the NFL, the National Football League, is the USA's major professional gridiron football organization, which was founded in 1920 in Canton, Ohio, uh, God's country, as the American Professional Football Association. So this is quite a few years after the, you know college football was already big and established, which we discussed a little bit in the Kangaroo Kicker episode last year. Uh, according to Britannica.com, and, you know, when you're thinking American football, what resource are you going to oh, go yeah, to? Oh, yeah, am I going straight, <laughs> straight, straight to Britannica? To yeah. Uh, according to Britannica, the league began play in 1920 and comprised five teams from Ohio, uh, Akron Pros, Canton Bulldogs, Cleveland Tigers, Columbus Panhandlers, <laughs> and my favourite, I think, of all sporting team names ever, the Dayton Triangles. <laughs> Five teams. <laughs> Everything is available. Anything. <laughs> They're just the five teams from Ohio. There's also four teams from Illinois, the Chicago Tigers, the Decatur Staley's, the Racine Cardinals. They were actually based in Chicago, but they took their name from a local street for some reason. The Rock Island Independents, and then there were two from Indiana, the Hammond Pros and the Muncie Flyers, two from New York, including the Buffalo All-Americans and the Rochester Jeffersons. Then there was also the Detroit Heralds from Michigan. Very few of those are cities I've even heard of. And they're all based around this little clump in the sort of northeast of... This little triangle, maybe. <laughs> yeah, a little triangle. <laughs> triangle, sure. <laughs> it's just funny, like, you're like, no, no, there's lots of other teams. I'm like, oh, okay. No, a lot of a lot of names were still available. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's amazing. I mean, there's a couple. There's like tigers in there, um, twice I think even. But um, yeah, there's two tigers teams. <laughs> two tigers, a panhandler, and triangle. Do they exist in some form or another? Because if they do, they are going to be my team. Who's that? The, the triangle. I don't think they do Damn anymore. But I I should look into that. But uh, not certainly not in the uh, highest level anymore. Of the these original franchises, only two remain in the NFL today. Uh, the Cardinals, who left Chicago for St. Louis after the 1959 season and then and are now in Arizona. Something about American sport where teams will just up and relocate a bit. And also the ones that I would never have guessed, but the Decatur Staley's are still in the NFL but are now known as the Chicago Bears. Right. That's a good rebrand. Yeah. Strong on both both points, I think. A few other teams will give you a quick... Um, origin of their name. The Cardinals got their name apparently because they used secondhand uniforms that had faded from maroon, uh, maroon or maroon depending on. Someone picked me up on saying, we, apparently we say maroon funny, a uh, maroon funny. We say maroon, right? doesn't matter. So <laughs> they got in my head obviously but um, <laughs> uh, so they, they got these secondhand uniforms that were maroon and they'd sort of faded to be what their owners called a cardinal red, oh. and that's where they got their name from. This was a faded maroon oh, colour. Oh, I thought it would have been a bird. The bird. Well, so the bird is their logo now, but it sort of it came about in a weird way. That's cool. I was thinking like the dude in the church. Is there a cardinal in there? <laughs> yeah. yeah, I think he's the boss of some church. Yeah, maybe Catholic church. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Yeah. It's funny that you went to bird <laughs> and I went to church man. <laughs> you always go to church I man. I love though. church man. <laughs> church man. Gotta love churchmen. Done a lot of good. Love them. Uh, and then I believe the Bears, uh, they took their name based on Chicago's baseball team uh, being called the Cubs, you know, famous ah. team. They were, they were already around the Chicago Cubs. So they're like, we're the mature version. Well, that's exactly Apparently the owner said, I think this is a quote from him. He's like, he says, if baseball players are Cubs, then football players 
are bigger, they must be bears. <laughs> okay. Cop that, cops. Yeah. Uh, in 1922, the American Professional Football Association changed its name to the Nas- National Football League. So it, it's had the NFL name pretty much since the beginning and it, it has it to this day. In the first decade of the competition, the champion was decided by a win-loss record. So there were no playoffs initially. And for a long time, the NFL's own record book stated that the 1920 championship was undecided. The first one they played, they said it was undecided. That was until 1970 when it was discovered that the Akron pros uh, were named the champions. How was that discovered? Isn't that funny? 50 years later, they're like, oh, no, I found a note here saying... And it came about in a really weird way as well. So to decide the, the champion that year... Uh, there was a meeting held by uh, with all the team owners or whoever could show up and they voted on who they thought should win. <laughs> they, they wrestled. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> According to this great website I found called, uh, I think it's wikipedia.org, um, which oh. I, is sort of like a football uh, knowledge emporium. That's awesome. Specifically cool. American football. Uh, it says, each team that showed up had a vote to determine the champions. Since the Akron Pros never lost a game, the Pros were awarded the Brunswick Bulky Colander Cup on <laughs> April 30, 19, uh, 1921. The decision proved controversial, though, as two other teams, the Decatur Staley's and the Buffalo All-Americans, had more wins than Akron. They're like, oh. wait, we won more games than them. They didn't, and they, and they all tied. So they're like, why, why do they win? We we won more games. Yeah. And I'm like, that's strange. Sure, if they're undefeated, but they didn't used to count ties as wins or losses. They were just like basically they didn't happen. Yeah. So the Akron Pros had eight wins and three ties, whereas the Decatur Staley's had ten wins and one loss and two ties. So they actually played two more games as well. It's a real mess. Here's the table, Dave. You see the Muncie Flyers, They their season was... Zero wins, one loss. So they played oh. one game. Some teams played eight games. Some played seven. That's just like they just scheduled games when, when and where they could. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The winning team played eight, and number two played ten, and then third was nine. And then everyone else had six or less wow. games. So it's pretty difficult for them to catch up on the win. Yes. Oh, well, yeah. That I mean, that, yeah. You're a little off on the numbers because you haven't counted the ties there. Oh, sorry. I thought that was games played. <laughs> no, they're wins. But, but, sorry, you're, but you are right. I mean, that is still the case that they are. Every team has played a different amount of games. Right, yes. The Muncie Flyers. They played one, and then they were like, <laughs> like we're, "Nah, we're not good at this." Yeah, this <laughs> sucks. <laughs> This, this isn't fun because we suck <laughs> yeah, so bad. No, that's right. No one even had fun, so they just burnt the clubhouse down <laughs> and went back to their jobs. The Muncie Flyers struck from the record. It's a shame because that's a great name, the Muncie Flyers. Yeah. I'm, I'm into yeah, that. Yeah, I like that. The, so tied games didn't count as, as, as scores at all until 1972 when they were sort of a half win, half loss. So you got... You get like half a point or something. Yeah, it was the same as in most football codes. You get half what you would get. For, well, some actually in soccer you get... One point and three points for wins. Anyway, whatever. We're not here to talk about that football. No. The trophy itself was quite mysterious. The beautifully named Brunswick Bulky Colander Cup. Uh, it was a silver loving cup, which is a, a, a type of cup apparently. Is oh god, what are they? A subgenre of cup, a loving cup. Drink out of it. Apparently, is all it is. Okay, thank god. <laughs> not what I was imagining, but anyway. <laughs> You thought they were putting some sort of liquid yeah, into something it. going into the cup. That's right. <laughs> everyone has to do uh, <laughs> Everyone do the cup. It's only weird if not everyone does it. <laughs> and it was donated <laughs> to the APFA 
by the Brunswick Bulky Colander Company Tire Division. <laughs> Not the whole company, just the tire division uh, dropped it off. And its uh, handles were made out of antlers. But strangely, no one knows what happened to it after it was awarded. Uh, the minutes of the APFA and NFL meetings never mention it again and there was no known photo of it until a couple of years ago when the NFL finally tracked one down from a 1921 newspaper. So there's this one photo of it, real old black and white photo, and it's just sort of, it just disappeared. Oh. It was meant to be given, like the same trophy was meant to be given to the winning team each year. You know, you get it, you get it for a year and then you pass it on to the next winner. The Chicago Staley's, now the Bears, won the second title, again in controversial circumstances. The Buffalo All-Americans were undefeated on top of the ladder when they were invited to play a rematch against the Staley's, who they had already defeated. The All-Americans owner agreed to the rematch on the condition that the game wouldn't be counted in the standings and only played as an exhibition game. He's like, play it, but it's not a real game. We've We're just already won. For fun. We've already won. We all agree on that. Yep. Okay, great. Well, we'll <laughs> play for, for a bit of fun. Uh, the Staley's won the match and according to wikipedia.org, uh, the league counted the All-Americans game in the standings <laughs> against Buffalo's wishes, resulting in Buffalo and Chicago being tied atop the standings. The league then implemented the first ever tiebreaker, a rule now considered archaic and removed from league rule books, that states that if two teams play multiple times in a season, the last game between the two teams carries more weight. What? So the game they didn't think meant anything now means more than they oh. won the game that they won that they thought actually did mean something. They're probably trying a lot less hard then, aren't they? Yeah, exactly. So because of that, the Chicago victory actually counted more in the standings and gave Chicago the championship. Buffalo sports fans have been known to refer to this justly or unjustly as the Staley Swindle. <laughs> I love it if they're still talking about it. Buffalo sports fans, never let it go. <laughs> Either way, the result means that of the still existing teams, the Chicago Bears won the earliest championship. The early years of the competition were riddled with controversial results like this. Uh, another example is in 1925 when the Cardinals ended up winning the championship by one win. This result is disputed as they basically fixed the game by getting their opposition, the Milwaukee Badgers, to field a team of high school kids, which resulted in the Cardinals flogging the Badgers 58 to nil. <laughs> and also putting seven people in hospital. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> They put toddlers out yeah. there. <laughs> That's so dodgy. Apparently, NFL President Joseph Carr learnt about the high school players and told reporters the Cardinals' win would be stricken from the record. Somehow, though, the league never got around to removing it and it's still part of the official NFL records. Yeah, they're in big trouble for this, assuming we remember. Yeah, I'll, I'll write it down. Yeah, I'll, I'll remember. <laughs> I'm good. I'll remember. Car's like tapping his shoulder, yeah. his pockets. Ooh, don't have a. No, no, it's okay. No it's up here. Locked in. They call my mind the vault. <laughs> Is that what they call it? I forget. <laughs> anyway. Uh, the Green Bay Packers joined the league in 1921 and won three titles in a row from 1929 to 1931. Uh, go cheese heads. <laughs> uh, in the early days. There were lots of smaller towns and cities represented in the league. But Green Bay, like, I mean, as we mentioned, all those towns I've never heard of, and Green Bay was sort of one of them. But they're the only one who's still around in the NFL. All the other teams are now based in pretty big cities. Green Bay, Wisconsin had a population of around 30,000 when it joined the league and today have a population of around 110,000. Amazingly, Green Bay's home stadium, Lambeau Field, regularly fills its capacity of over 80,000. Do they all turn up, the whole town? <laughs> they must be just the whole town, town turns out. <laughs> uh, 
1932, the season ended in a tie for top spot between the Chicago Bears and the Portsmouth Spartans. Uh, to decide the winner, the uh, playoff game was held with Chicago winning the game and the championship. This started the tradition of end-of-season playoffs. And in 1933, Eastern and Western divisions, each their winner, each of their winners would play off in the NFL championship game. This is sort of, that's sort of the precursor to the Super Bowl. Right, okay. But before that, it was just a win-loss record. That's, yeah, or a vote. Or a vote. Or whoever beat the, the kids better. Or the swim, swimsuit competition. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> uh, what took until, so they, they didn't, didn't seem to have had a, a trophy replace that one that went missing. Although maybe they did, they just haven't found it in their record books, you know. <laughs> until 1934, 13 years after the original trophy was awarded and lost, uh, a replacement trophy was created called the Ed Thorpe Memorial Trophy, which was named in honour of ex-player referee and friend of many of the higher-ups there, <laughs> uh, Ed Thorpe. Was he still alive? <laughs> the memorial. He's the I'm guy. right here. Hey, what? No, he, he, he passed away and they, they did it pretty quickly after he died. But So during these early decades of the NFL, many other leagues popped up with the aim of becoming America's dominant football league, trying to challenge the NFL. But the NFL seemed to be able to fight them all off. Some of these leagues... <laughs> Again, in a fight to the yeah, death. Yeah. <laughs> Some of these leagues included the American Football League, which competed in 1926. That didn't last long. Then another one uh, came up in 1936 called the American Football League, uh, but that also didn't last So is that the same exact long. title? <laughs> then there was a competition um, started up in 1940 called the American Football League. <laughs> <laughs> but all of these uh, failed to take the NFL's crowd. <laughs> An- another rival league started when businessman and heir to his father's oil fortune, Ooh. Lamar Hunt, contacted the NFL wanting to enter a Dallas-based team into the competition. In the 1950s, the NFL was continuing to grow in popularity and was becoming more competitive with baseball as a spectator sport. Due to this, the NFL was wary of expanding too quickly from its 12-team competition. Uh, They wanted to take a slower approach and they rejected Hunt's offer. Undeterred, Hunt started working on the idea of a rival league instead, contacting other rich people to suss out their interests. (laughs) By the end of the decade, they were ready to announce a new competition, which they called the American Football League. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, With the announcement of this new league, NFL team owners tried to undermine the fledgling league by offering AFL team owners stakes in their teams or otherwise promising them new NFL franchises. So all of a sudden they're going, hey, you don't start that. Come join us, which is what they were trying to do in the first (laughs) place. Uh, Only the Minnesota owners were tempted, defecting to the NFL uh, with a new team known as the Minnesota Vikings, which still compete in the NFL today. Uh, The NFL was broadcast on CBS TV at the time. And that was one of the big things that helped really grow the NFL as a competition was they got involved with TV pretty early and sort of started to spread. Even though they were only playing games in these smaller markets, they were able to sort of spread the, the popularity of the sport via TV. But because they had this deal with CBS, the NFL, they made uh, CBS, they told them that you can't, don't, report on any AFL scores. So they were, they were like undermining. The news wouldn't show AFL scores even though the AFL was becoming really popular. People would have wanted to know the scores they're like. So they get asked about it, they go, what's that? Yeah, I've never heard of that. I've Is no that one of the mean. failed? 
Yeah. yeah. Oh, you're from me from 1929. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, terrible. Yeah, that sounds really lame. Either. I hate it. So <laughs> I don't know why you'd want to know that. That seems stupid of you to want to know. I don't know about that. I love it. I love how the NFL's really bitchy. <laughs> <laughs> The AFL's original 1960 lineup consisted of eight teams, an Eastern Division which included the New York Titans, the Boston Patriots, Buffalo Bills, the Houston Oilers, and a Western Division with the Los Angeles Chargers, the Denver Broncos, Oakland Raiders, and Dallas Texans. Oh, I've heard of a lot of those teams. Yes, yeah, exactly. Uh, the AFL differentiated itself from the NFL in a bunch of different ways, using innovations to make them a more exciting competition. Including they were much more attacking sport. I think maybe, as I understand it, some of these teams are in in sort of warmer climates. They're able to, you know, it's not they're not bogged down by rain and snow. Maybe they can throw the ball further and that sort of stuff. So it became a, a competition that. Right. I thought you were going to say they gave them like weapons or something. <laughs> yeah. They made it more uh, gladiator style. Yeah, the balls had spikes in them. <laughs> <laughs> That's why they say spike the ball. <laughs> According to wikipedia.org, the NFL adopted some of the innovations introduced by the AFL immediately and a few others in the years following. One was including the names on player jerseys. That's something the AFL started. The older league also adopted the practice of using the stadium scoreboard clocks to keep track of the official game time instead of what they were doing before that point, uh, which was just a stopwatch used by the referee. Um, so it sounds like a bunch of everyone's in on the, you know, what time the game is in. you a lot harder to be dodgy when everyone can see the clock. Yeah, yeah. It's not just one mm. guy going, nah, 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 nah. <laughs> now this quarter's gone for an hour, but that's fine. Sorry about it. Or it's just him going, shit, shit, shit. My pocket just stopped it. <laughs> Could have been 15, yeah. 20 minutes ago. Yeah. Shit, shit, oh, shit, I don't shit, know. Shit. <laughs> oh, crap. <laughs> uh, the AFL played a 14-game schedule for its entire existence starting in 1960. The NFL, which had played a 12-game schedule since... 1947, changed to a 14-game schedule in 1961. They're like, oh, more games, it's more TV. Right, because I guess like if you if you finish two weeks earlier than them, people can go watch the other one. Yeah, league. exactly. You're giving them free, free air. The AFL also introduced the two-point conversion to professional football 34 years before the NFL instituted it in 1994. So that's where you, you know you can kick a field uh, like a a, a goal. Like a <laughs> football lovely. I hate it. So field goal is different. That's a three pointer, but the conversion kick is for one point. But you can also basically go for another touchdown if you get that. You get two points. Oh, okay. so you can, it's harder, but you get double the points for it if you if you want to. So they brought that in. That was already a thing in college football. I think they brought it into professional football, and now the NFL have it, but it took them until 1994 to do that. All of these innovations pioneered by the AFL, including its more exciting style of play and colourful uniforms, have essentially made today's <laughs> professional football more like the AFL than it was than it is like the old NFL. So it's very influential. NFL just outlasted it. Oh. Well, not quite. Despite a slow start in terms of crowd attendances, the AFL's more exciting games helped them sign a multi-million dollar TV rights deal with ABC and then later NBC. Uh, business wasn't good for all teams though. The New York Titans, were, I love that they named them the New York Titans because uh, the NFL had the Giants and the owners like, Titans are even stronger than Giants. <laughs> oh, my <laughs> that God. That was his logic. Oh, my God. <laughs> and I, Yeah, real good. Another team co- comes along and they're the big Titans. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The, t- the tough Titans. <laughs> the extra large Titans. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> XL, XLTs. <laughs> I think the Giants got their name because of the, New York was building a lot of skyscrapers at the time. 
So they were like uh. <laughs> named after the buildings, I think. Anyway, so uh, anyway, the Titans, despite this guy having a great business brain and naming brain, uh, they were heading towards bankruptcy and they were bailed out, bought by new owners for quite a reasonable price and they changed their name to the New York Jets, uh, which I love because apparently some of the reasons for this name was because it rhymes with the New York Mets and they played at the same stadium. (laughs) And also it was kind of near an airport. So the New York Jets, pretty cool. Yeah. this ter- uh, proved a turning point for the franchise, as did recruiting future Hall of Famer Joe Namath. It's a name I, n- I know. Do you know the no- name Joe Namath? I'm, I'm sure the Simpsons have referenced Yeah, I know that Namath. <laughs> <laughs> Joe Namath, a.k.a. Do you know his nickname? Broadway Joe. <laughs> I think it's like a, a, I think you'd call him Hollywood Joe now probably. But <laughs> love it. Broadway Joe. Broadway. Uh, apparently he helped extend the reach of the AFL as, the, as like a media darling and a bit of a sex symbol. Uh, around the same time, the Dallas Texans relocated to Kansas City and became uh, the Kansas City Chiefs, who are still a powerful team to this day. Now, this is the team uh, who was, was owned by Lamar Hunt, the guy who basically created the AFL so he could have this team in Dallas. Oh, yeah. Didn't take him long and he moved him to Kansas City. Which is interesting. Caught it back to the wikipedia.org article. The AFL started hitting the NFL where it hurt, signing 75% of the NFL's first round draft choices in 1960, apparently, including Houston's successful signing of a college star and Heisman Trophy winner, Billy Cannon. It's a great name. If, oh, oh. Has he got a cannon of an arm? Assuming he was a yeah. quarterback. That's oh. a, it's a real nominative uh, determinism. That's great. It was either Billy that Cannon. or old school war. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, pirate war. <laughs> uh, do you, have you heard of the Heisman Trophy? hope I'm saying that right. It's awarded to the uh, most outstanding college footballer. Like the Norm Smith. <laughs> uh, not quite. That's for the best player in the <laughs> AFL grand final. Hey, like the Dally I made a sports M. reference. <laughs> okay. Yeah, that's pretty good. That's not bad. I am like the MVP of like, rugby league. Like the Davis Cup. Okay, that's a, a country-based team tennis <laughs> Like tournament. a black belt. Okay, that's a, <laughs> a rank in, <laughs> in uh, things like karate and judo. Like, like the Victoria Cross. <laughs> okay, that's a, no, that's a, like a, that's a war. Yeah, on. that, one, that like, one feels a bit poor taste. <laughs> <laughs> like an Academy Award for Best Cinematography. <laughs> okay, now that one... It's a, it's a movie award I think, for cinematography. I think he gets it and he's taking the piss at this point. I think he understands he's wrong oh, no. and he's getting further away. I don't know. No, I think he's I think doing this on purpose. I'm no. getting close. <laughs> <laughs> like an Antoinette Perry Award for Best Musical, also known as a Tony. <laughs> that's a fun fact. That's a fun I mean, fact. That's a fact. Uh, what, what were we talking about? The Heisman Trophy, yes. <laughs> I, I, <laughs> Sorry. Uh, I I love this about uh, how hectic it all was back then. Apparently, the two leagues would have their draft day on the same day no. with the same pools of players. So two separate drafts, but they're all picking the same players. Even even back then, do they have the sound when the when the pick comes in? Do you ever watch the draft? It's yeah. got this music that goes, din 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 din. Oh, absolutely love it. My favorite part about the, the NFL is that draft music <laughs> That's so when good. the pick comes in. Um, so yeah, w- wild idea that this is all happening at the same time. This led to teams from both leagues picking the same players. What? Yeah. So two teams, you know, one team in the NFL will pick a player and, and at different ends of the draft or whatever. 
And then the player would be like, um, I'll go with them, you know. Uh, How messy. Yeah. This also meant that sometimes teams would pass on top players as to not risk them choosing to play for the rival league. Like we could waste our top pick on this player, but he's every chance to just go play in the other league. Oh, so what happens if you – is it void if you pick someone oh, yeah, at three I, to, and I, they move? Well, I guess they keep, it keeps moving along so other oh. players would go in the meantime. So, yeah, it's pretty risky. So it's an interesting – like would have been so strange. But very entertaining, I think. Yeah. An example of this happening – came when 1965 Heisman Trophy winner Mike Garrett, running back from uh, USC in Los Angeles, was expected to sign with an NFL team. That's what the expectation was. So he was not taken in the AFL draft until the final round, the 20th round of picks. So every team has a pick each round. So that's a lot of picks deep into the draft. And that was the Kansas City Chiefs who picked him up. I guess by that stage you're like, I'll roll with Dyson, let's go. Maybe he'll pick us, who knows. But then the NFL draft on the same day, he was taken by the Los Angeles Rams as a top 20 pick. So they picked him pretty high mm. and that's where he was studying at college. So I think the expectation was he was going to play for the Rams. But Garrett surprisingly shunned the NFL and signed with Kansas City and he helped lead them to the AFL title as a rookie. So they picked him real late, just what? rolled the dice. He picked them for some reason and he took them all the way. Because I don't know if it was still the case, but now the higher you get picked, the more you can expect to get paid usually, right? I think, yeah, that does play into it as well. But, I'm, so but this was competition like, was between oh, the two leagues was also meaning, I guess in the negotiation, which team you're going to pick, maybe the Chiefs said we'll pay you more. That, yeah. That's possible. They were, and they're like, we didn't think you'd even take our call. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> we need to now make a few calls to see if we can find that money. <laughs> yeah, holy crap. <laughs> so that, they were due a bit of luck because the previous year the Chiefs uh, were burnt when they used their first pick on Gail Sayers who chose to play with the NFL's Chicago Bears instead. So they, they lost their first pick. So it was kind of nice the following year they had a, uh, a reversal of luck. The fierce competition between the two leagues led to skyrocketing player payments, which led to owners from the NFL contacting owners from the AFL to try and negotiate a merger in 1966. Oh. Uh, to give a little context, uh, in Australia that year, the Saints <laughs> won their one and only VFL-AFL premiership. It's pretty fun to have this that new 1966 sporting fact uh, to throw out. Yeah. The it's the birth of the Super Bowl. The 1966 negotiations led to a merger between the two leagues. It was interesting as well. The the NFL, a couple of the NFL team owners went to some of the AFL team owners directly. They collectively have the power in the leagues. They they sort of went around the AFL's boss mm. um, or the commissioner. So it, it did lead to this merger and there was actually a precedent for this. One of the other uh, rival leagues that came up, one of the few that wasn't called the AFL, uh, was called the All America Football Conference, and that merged with the A- uh, the NFL uh, in 1949. The San Francisco 49ers and the Cleveland Browns are the two AAFC teams that remain in the NFL today. Side note: the 49ers got their name from the gold prospectors who arrived in Northern Cal- uh, California for the 1849 Gold Rush. Oh. I think I used to assume that that was just the year they were founded, but yeah, they're named after the right. And then, amazingly, a hundred years later, they f- they merged into the NFL. Yeah, that's why. Just coincidentally, mm. the Browns got their name. <laughs> uh, Dave. 
<laughs> oh, that was a that's a that's a horrible story actually. And uh, no, had a, a big night out. And obviously, had a bad burrito. Caught a little short. We did have uh, white uniforms <laughs> initially, but uh, no, they they were named for their original coach and co-founder Paul Brown. How cool is that? That was just a guy. He's just a guy, and he's still got a team named after him. That's like called Brown. The Browns. It's like the all of uh, Melbourne Twitter blew up the other week when a, a Code Brown was called, and everyone's like, what? "I know something else that sounds like." <laughs> <laughs> like the lo- Cleveland I lo- Browns. I love when Twitter all makes the same joke. <laughs> it's that's good fun. I mean, I definitely I thought the same joke. Oh, we all thought it. Yeah. We just did not hit send. Despite NFL fans believing their teams to be vastly superior to the new teams, the Browns were champions in their first NFL season. Oh, imagine so they're like, oh, all right. All right, we'll let a couple of these yeah. paupers over. Exactly, this this junior league, these amateurs, all right, and then they come in and win. <laughs> like, whoa. whoa, they're very good. And were they still coached by Mr. Brown? I hope so. God, that's awesome. Mr. Brown. <laughs> It seems like the AAFC merger was less of a merger of equals and more the NFL absorbing uh, the best AAFC teams. They, they took three teams and the third team didn't even, didn't last very long. On the other hand, the NFL-AFL merger seems like it was a lot more equal. Because basically I think the NFL worried the AFL was legitimately overtaking them. Uh-huh. It sounded like they were making all the new exciting yes. moves. And they, and they had a TV network legitimizing them and all this sort of stuff. And apparently the owners in the AFL were richer than the NFL owners as well. So some of the leagues that started up earlier, the owners were like, we need this to make money quickly. But the, this group that uh, Lamar put together were all rich enough to be able to wait it out as it grew. Right, exactly. So the first few seasons, if they lose money, who cares? Yeah. But they did it so quick. It was like 10 years after it started or not even 10 years. They were, yeah, like... Six years, basically, they were going, hey, can, can we, we join up? Wait, you're the old guys. You started this, but okay. Uh, it's also, like, he's, he'd be like, I just wanted to bring one team in. Isn't that funny? He said no. And now I'm bringing <laughs> huh. lots of teams in. Huh. Isn't that funny how that Who's went? That? <laughs> uh, so I really thought when you didn't let CBS say uh, name our league on their news program that that would have really hurt us. <laughs> Turns out it didn't. <laughs> Uh, while the NFL retained their name and logo in the merger, not much else stayed the same. On June 8th, 1966, the merger agreement was announced in New York. Amongst other things, the agreement stipulated the two leagues would combine to form an expanded league with 24 teams to be increased to 26 by 1969 and to 28 by 1970 or soon thereafter. The teams added with the... New Orleans Saints in 1967, the Cincinnati Bengals in 1968, and the Seattle Seahawks and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in 1976. So these are all still teams going about it today. Uh, The Atlanta Falcons and Miami Dolphins were already established ready for the 1966 season. So they're all the new teams that came in 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 the following years from the agreement. Uh, This is all still part of the agreement. All existing franchises would be retained and none of them would be moved outside of their metropolitan areas. So they sort of had a guarantee. If we join up, you can't just all of a sudden go, oh, we're going to kick you out because we've already got a New York Giants. We don't want a New York Jets. So I guess that would be the worry from the AFL, but they had that in writing that uh, they wouldn't be able to shunt teams around. To be fair, though, the NFL has agreed to a lot of stuff early on, like, oh, this doesn't count, yeah. and then it does count. Yeah, yeah, so that's I, true. I don't know if you can trust them. 
That's mm. true, yeah. And they, the one thing that they had to do, the teams that were coming, like the Jets I think had to pay the Giants a certain amount of money um, to to join their city basically in the same league. Oh, like in like a mafia-style yeah, protection tax. It does feel tax. a bit like a mafia <laughs> tax, doesn't it? Uh, they also agreed that both leagues would hold a common draft of college players ending the bidding war between the two leagues. So they just have <laughs> one draft from now on, which made some sense. Uh, the two leagues would officially merge in 1970 to form one league with two conferences, uh, the NFC and the AFC, which still is. So basically the AFC was nearly made up of all AFL teams, the NFC all NFL teams. And so that's not split, split geographically like in the NBA where it's sort of an east versus no, west-ish. Inside each of those there are there's NFC west NFC gotcha. East and all that yep. sort of stuff as well. So they're, they're split slightly as well in their little groups. The history and records of the AFL would be incorporated in the older league so that, you know, they wouldn't lose their, their short history. Uh, but the AFL name and logo would be officially retired. Uh, finally, the leagues would maintain separate regular season schedules for the following couple of years until 1969 before they officially merged. And the leagues also agreed to play an annual AFL-NFL championship game. Oh. Matching the championship teams of each league, which would begin uh, in, at the end of the 1966 season, which was in January 1967. Uh, so now that last point, obviously, is the reason we're all here. As I was writing, I'm like, I've talked too much before I actually get to the fucking <laughs> Super Bowl. I've done it again. I mean, the, the whole didn't the whole year builds up to the Super Bowl, so it's quite apt. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, so so this was the birth <laughs> of it. The big playoff game between the AFL and NFL champions, which of course was called the AFL NFL World Championship game. <laughs> so how, how do we not guess that? <laughs> yeah. Why it's do catchy. they always make it a world championship? Yeah, it's great, isn't it? We're champions of the world. They were doing that, I think, in those early NFL games where it was like tiny little towns you've never heard of uh, playing against each other. I think they were seeing themselves as world champions <laughs> as well. So how did they get to the Super Bowl name? It took them a few. It wasn't until the third one that the Super Bowl name was used. Uh, Lamar Hunt, the man who got the ball rolling for the AFL competition, also is said to be the man who coined the name Super Bowl. Uh, he has said that the name may have come to him as his kids were playing with a Super Bowl toy. Uh, he used this term when talking about a possible AFL-NFL championship game as early as the mid-60s. In a July 25, 1966 letter to NFL Commissioner Pete Rozelle, Hunt wrote about this championship game idea saying, I've kiddingly called it the Super Bowl, which obviously can be improved upon. I mean, it's a placeholder. I'm imagining a like a who's on first type conversation around, and it's just people. Somebody's in another room. Somebody's in the kitchen and asking what kind of bowl they want their meal in. And it's you know, like I'm imagining it's like, do you want a small bowl? Do you want a super bowl? Super bowl. You know, that's what I'm hearing. <laughs> I've got an idea. That's where my brain went this whole time. <laughs> <laughs> it's really not that far off that bowl, right? But the thing is that why did he go to bowl? Because they play with a bowl. Why did they just call it the Super Bowl? <laughs> well, uh, I'll get to that okay. now. The tradition of calling big football matches bowls goes way back. So that it was already a, a uh. sort of a, a naming convention, that, um, uh, especially in college football games. And that goes back to the Rose Bowl, 
uh, which is still an annual American college football game. It was first played in 1902 and it wasn't known as the Rose Bowl until 1923 when the game was played in the new Rose Bowl Stadium. Uh, the Rose Bowl Stadium was named the Rose Bowl as the stadium looks like a bowl. <laughs> <laughs> Great. It all makes sense now. Uh, and that was there was already another um, stadium called the Yale Bowl, which it was sort of influenced by. But that's the idea. So basically the Rose Bowl became a super popular game, annual event, and other cities and universities started having bowl games as well, even though they're often not played in bowl-shaped stadiums. They're like just trying to emulate the success of the Rose Bowl. So oh, they, my God. They'd have uh, games like in Florida they have the Orange Bowl. And in New Orleans, the Sugar Bowl. Uh, there's there's a bunch of different ones. There's the Cotton Bowl and all these ones. Uh, there are also seems to be a bunch of bowl games that have sold their naming rights, like the famous Idaho Potato Bowl, uh, which is played in Boise. You know, Idaho, big famous potato country. Mm. The Potato Board has paid for those naming rights. Potato and they, Bowl. That sounds yeah, yummy, I mean, but isn't it? No, the, the full name is Famous Idaho Potato Bowl. <laughs> Famous Idaho is in the name. Uh, and maybe my favourite, played in Orlando, the Cheez-It Bowl. <laughs> What's a Cheez-It? I think they're like snacks. And I never yeah. got this until now because Bender on Futurama says Cheez-It to mean get away, let's run. Oh, Cheez-It. Let's Cheez-It. I, I think it's a snack name. Hey, fun. Isn't culture fun? I think they're a bit like twisties. Oh, Love a twisty. So good, yeah. I'm hungry for a, a twisty all of a sudden. Or a cheese it. <laughs> uh, the NFL's Green Bay Packers won the first two championship games uh, easily. They're nothing like twisties. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry to do a mat there. What do they look like? Are they more like cheesels? They, they're more like little crackers. You can see that. Oh, they still look all right, like little cheddar yeah. biscuits. Yeah, they almost look like, yeah, little cheds. Like, yeah, cheds are yeah. like, like shapes. Yeah, like the savoury shapes. Yeah, or, or like, or cheese like shapes, the I cheddar guess. shapes, yeah, which are delicious. Cheddar so, shapes. Yum. Cheese it. Look, I've, I've just looked up um, cheese it just so I can have a look. And one of the dictionary definitions is it's an archaic word used to urge someone to stop doing something. But number two, it says used to urge someone to run away. Cheese it. Here comes Mr. Madigan, is the example. Okay, well, there you go. Ah. Cheese it. The snack was named after the phrase then. Maybe, yeah. I was thinking maybe an, there was an ad that had that used that. Yeah. Oh, like you got to cheese it. Yeah, and yeah. that would—that's where Bender got it from. But now, now I've got more questions than answers, to be honest. And Bender's <laughs> still somehow using it a thousand years later, which is fun. Yeah. Uh, I know there's a few plot holes in that show. I don't know about that show. <laughs> I don't know. Does that add up? What is the, I don't what know is the likelihood of a, a robot? <laughs> In a thousand years' time, still saying cheese it. Yeah, coming. It's a bit far fetched. And out of all the celebrities that are at floating heads, they're all people that lived in our time. <laughs> yeah. What's with that? People that we recognise. Why would we recognise them? Yeah, surely there's been other celebrities with heads in jars over the next thousand years. Surely. Very strange. Wow. But I guess it was good for us because we mean otherwise we'd be like, who's that? Oh, it's the Beastie Boys. Oh, <laughs> no worries. So yes, the Green Bay Packers won the first two championship games easily. And that led to fears that the AFL's teams weren't up to the competition. The AFL's champions got flogged by the NFL's champions. Ah. Uh. And that possibly also led to relatively low interest in those early matches. From the first to the second one, the TV audience dropped. Uh, the first match didn't even sell out, which is unheard of now. But those fears were 
proven unfounded. Uh, before Super Bowl three, Joe Namath, aka Broadway Joe, <laughs> and Super Bowl three, they sort of they went back and and named the first two Super Bowl one and two retrospectively. Uh, and were they always doing it with Roman numerals? They love that, don't they? I think it, it wasn't until the fifth one, I think, that they did Roman numerals. Uh, and there is a reason. I can't remember if I mentioned any. Oh, no, I do. And they called them Super Bowl 1, 2, 3, et cetera, instead of the year because the Super Bowl has always been played in January or February while the season has always started the previous calendar year. You know what oh, I mean? So right, they can't yeah. call it Super Bowl 66 because it's actually played in 67. Well, we managed confusing. to do it with the hottest 100. So maybe just fucking, you know, assume that your audience isn't an idiot. Yeah, and I also, that's, they say that's why they use Roman numerals, but why not just use... Numbers. You know, the classic Arabic numbers that we... Are they Arabic, the normal numbers? Yeah. Normal. Yeah. So why, I don't understand. <laughs> Sorry to no, the Romans no, no, listening. This is funny. <laughs> normal. And, you know, they're regular, our regular numbers. Sorry. Yeah. I meant no offence to the Roman numeral people out there. Because it's brutal. This whole report, I'm, I spent a lot of time going, fuck, what's that one? And I'm like going, what does this mean in Roman numerals? It's difficult, yeah. isn't it? It's not, like, you know, the basic ones, but once you get up high, like they're starting to do, they get pretty long and stuff. Yeah, it's too confusing. But I imagine that it probably helped Americans. They, they know Roman numerals like the back of their hand just because of Super Bowls. <laughs> Maybe. So anyway, before Super Bowl three, Joe Namath, aka Broadway Joe, that sexy man, quarterback for the AFL's New York Jets, famously guaranteed his Jets would win before the game. And he backed this up, beating the Baltimore Colts 16-7. The Kansas City Chiefs repeated the Jets' feat the following year, helping establish the Super Bowl as the true decider of the best team in the land. So the AFL teams are starting to win and they're going, all right, this is a fair competition now. The Super Bowl is a worthy event. You know, sometimes otherwise you go, the real championship game is the two NFL Top teams yeah. playing off to decide, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, And yeah. then the Super Bowl is this silly thing we do after where the NFL team flops. Yeah, we're going to crush them. But that's great. So they win two in a row and everyone goes, okay, all right. It's almost like how the um, uh, the state of origin rugby league game between New South Wales and Queensland is, all, is seen as being a higher standard game than any international games because Australia is kind of dominant in the rugby players, league in right. particular or traditionally has been. I don't know if that's still true. Whereas... Very much not the case in rugby union because heard of this little team called the All Blacks. Go okay. <laughs> am, I, am, I, am I right there, Bob? Bob's looking at me like you fucking idiot. You're fucking up. Are you asking me if the All Blacks go all right? Is that what you're bloody <laughs> yeah. saying, mate? Uh, mate, I think oh, they yeah. go a little more than all right. <laughs> <laughs> um. So, yeah, all, all the numbers being in Roman numerals, there's an exception to this rule, and that was Super Bowl 50. For some reason, they, they used the classic Arabic numerals 5-0. And apparently, I, I was thinking, oh, is that because 50 in Roman numerals is L, and L's short for loser, you know? And they're like, we can't have a loser. <laughs> we can't have Super Bowl loser. We're Super Bowl winner. Um, but apparently that's not the case. According to dictionary.com, it was because NFL ad designers felt that the Super Bowl L title was too unattractive and unmarketable, so they opted to use the number 50 instead. Right. I think it's weird. It just seems weird when you see them all listed next yeah. to each other and all of a sudden it's 5-0. It's just, and then what, yeah, is, what's the next one? Is it like L-I or something? Yeah, L-I. Well, then, oh, that's dumb. I, if you think L isn't marketable, L-I isn't a lot better. 
Now we're talking. <laughs> oh, that's L I I. Oh, now beautiful. we're now we're cooking. Oh, that's nice. I think it was controversial. I imagine some people were like it's kind of weird to just do one yeah. that isn't like that. No, oh, the Romans were furious. <laughs> I think th- that's something kind of. I kind of like that it's Roman numerals, but I if it was me, I would have just gone with the the Arabic ones from the start. It was almost like they didn't think it was going to last that long. You know, mm. you go up to X. Fair enough. Yeah, X, that sounds cool. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. This podcast is brought to you by Squarespace, the all-in-one website platform for entrepreneurs to stand out and succeed online. Whether it's your first ever website or your business is expanding, Squarespace makes it easy to create a beautiful website and engage with your audience. Upload video content, organize your video library and showcase your content on beautiful video pages. You can even sell access to your video library by adding a paywall to your content. Cha-ching. <laughs> you can help with written content on your website with Squarespace AI, which I used to write this next sentence, so check this out. Generate instant, personalised results that know and show your brand identity. Explain what your site is about, choose your tone, and enter what you need to get short or long-form text. Squarespace AI, Squarespace AI makes it easier to go live, stand out, and succeed online. Oh, Dave, if only it could also not just write it, but read it too. <laughs> And edit it. (laughs) Hey, sell exclusive content on your site by adding a paywall to sell memberships or courses. Or sell files your customers can download like PDFs, music or eBooks. Man, it's starting to sound like I'm obsessed with money. (laughs) (laughs) And you are. So head to squarespace.com slash do go on for a free trial and to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. Speaking of advertising, so it was clear that the advertisers held a lot of power. The NFL's like, yeah, it's Super Bowl L and the... The advertisers were like, nah. <laughs> the ad designer, nah, that's nah. actually. And the NFL's like, oh, really? Oh, nah. that's kind of a thing. We've done it 49 times before this. Sorry, nah. nah. We're the ad people. <laughs> we own you. <laughs> um, according to Business Insider, the Super Bowl is more like a national holiday than a sporting event. And it's one that involves watching, evaluating, and discussing television commercials. This tradition has turned the Super Bowl into the championship of advertising. Mm. Apple's 1984 Super Bowl ad is credited with paving the way for the advertising showcase that the Super Bowl has become. Who, do you know this ad? Yeah, I do know it. It's kind of like a, like a futuristic, uh, like a dystopian yes, future Yes, exactly. Um, and I forget, but it was, it was like some big director. It was directed by Ridley Scott. Oh. Okay, cool. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, that, that sort of set the standard where people are like, oh, it can be like a almost cinematic. It doesn't have to just be, hey, buy cheese it. It's yum. <laughs> cheese it. Now I'm going to cheese it. <laughs> oh, that sounds wrong. <laughs> Steve Hayden, who was one of the creators of the ad, the Apple ad, uh, talked about how it ended up running during the Super Bowl in an interview with Business Insiders brought to you by a podcast. Aiden said that Steve Jobs wanted an ad to announce the advent of Macintosh, 
that would stop the world in its tracks. After someone suggested the only place to do that would be the Super Bowl, Hayden recalls how Jobs said he didn't know anyone that watched the Super Bowl. <laughs> I don't. Does anyone watch? I don't know. Jobs only knows I just asked like nerds. three or four people. <laughs> You're a freaking nerd, Steve. <laughs> Which is funny because I feel like it's it's a big. If it wasn't always, it's become a pretty big nerd game with fantasy football and all that stuff as well. Totally, but I love you. I don't know anyone and they're like, well, it says here last year 35 million people watched it. Mm, sounds like a glitch. Mm, yeah. I don't know anyone. You've really low-balled that number. I'll talk, talk about this. I didn't want to go too high <laughs> Great. to make it sound bad. Uh, the ad, which was directed by Ridley Scott, almost wasn't shown at the Super Bowl <laughs> but is now hailed as a major turning point in Super Bowl advertising. Uh, Rich Silverstone, who's an, an ad man, says that the 1984 ad changed everything and made the Super Bowl an advertising event. So this ad was written a couple of years ago in 2020, saying the price of a 30-second Super Bowl spot continues to climb with Fox charging as much as $5.6 million this year. But in 2020, that's oh, for a 30-second ad. Wow. Uh, even though Super Bowl TV viewership dropped each of the last four years to the lowest level in a decade in 2019. Still very high numbers, which I'll talk about soon. Uh, Silverstein says, you cannot ignore the Super Bowl. He insists it is worth it because it isn't just the ad in the Super Bowl. It's before the Super Bowl and there's an, also an afterlife as well. Last year, the major Super Bowl commercials that were released before the game, which is interesting, they now release them online before the game to build up hype for the ads. <laughs> Here it comes. It's the M&M's ad. <laughs> And apparently the ads that are released before the game are seen 100 million times by Friday morning. What? Fuck. So it's just knowing that they're going to be there. And it's a wild that that's the price to put it, the ad on. They, also, they would spend millions yeah. making the ads as well. There's always like celebrity appearances and stuff like that. They're getting millions of dollars. Yeah, wow. Uh, studies have shown that the economics do work. Movies... Uh, with trailers that aired during the Super Bowl were found to boost opening weekend sales by more than twice the cost of the ad time. And a Stanford study showed that Budweiser's Super Bowl ads boosted its sales by almost twice what they spent on the commercials. AB InBev's US Chief Marketing Officer, Marcel, or Mar Marcel Marconides, Marcondes, <laughs> points out that... <laughs> Is that all one name, Marcel Marconides Marcondes? <laughs> He wishes. Um, anyway, Mark Condes points out that it's rare to see a country that has a moment like this when the whole nation stops in front of a TV set to really watch the game. This is one thing, but I think Super Bowl brings something else on top of this, which is the fact that people are willing to see the commercials. This doesn't happen anywhere, I guess. It's an advertising festival as well. Jeez, ad people love talking about mm. it. It's not just about yeah. the football. This is about the advertising. Mm. But he is right. This is the one thing where people actually watch the ads. Totally Usually true. you're like, oh, great, I'll go get something. Exactly. Mute this, yeah. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I don't think there's anything like that in Australia where we go, oh, the big ads are coming out today. Oh, do you reckon they'll have Delta Goodrum or Shane Jacobson endorsing <laughs> the product? Although amazingly there used to be a show hosted by I think one of the Datto brothers which was just playing ads, great ads. It's I forget what yeah. it was called, but yeah. I really, I really hope it was I called it was like Great a, Ads. It was like a primetime show and they it was just him hosting from yeah. a studio throwing to ads. But was it like worldwide ones as well? Like yeah. Stuff from Europe. We, we yeah, you know, it. almost like, you know, sketches and they were funny usually, I think. Uh, but yeah, such a funny idea. Apparently the average cost of a 30-second ad spot 
for Super Bowl one in 1967 was 42,500. So it was, you know, it started off pretty expensive, but I mean, that has grown, like I said, to over 5 million now. Wow. Even in the early days, the ad breaks were seen as very important. During the first Super Bowl, which was simulcast on NBC and CBS, this is because uh, each league had its own TV deal. Yep. So they both networks showed the match with their own commentators and everything. And I think it led to like a, a TV share of over 70% for the game, which I, I don't think has been top since then. But NBC was still in an ad break when the second half kicked off. So the officials, when it was realised, the officials made the Packers retake the kickoff. <laughs> They're like, you know, normally it'd just be like, oh, they missed the start. The network fucked up and missed the start of the play. They're like, well, the network missed the start of the play. Do it again. Go again. Go again. Go again. Go again. Back on your marks. <laughs> they're they're a Rupert Murdoch equivalent. It's like, sorry, I was in the can. Can no, I missed a bit. Can you do it again? Yeah, it sounds like sort of North Korea stuff. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Not all ads are pre-recorded either. According to Mental Floss, which I get a, get a bunch of fun facts sort of spread throughout the rest of the report from them. After winning Super Bowl 21, New York Giants quarterback Phil Sims yelled, I'm going to Disney World. <laughs> Disney paid him $75,000 to do this. <laughs> After he won, he just made sure he near a camera and just yelled at yeah. him. They, they, it wasn't a gamble for them, though, on the result because they also play, uh, paid opposition player Denver's John Elway the same <laughs> amount to yell the same thing in case the result went the but, other way. But if he lost it, he'd just say, oh, I'm going to Disney World. <laughs> I wish I was going to Disney World. <laughs> John Elway. I, and I assume he still got paid either way, so it's kind of a good deal. If you lose, you don't have to do this weird Disney thing. But you still got 75 grand. Television ratings, like I was saying... Huge, uh, according to Mental Floss, in 1983, 105.97 million people tuned in Woo! to the final episode of MASH, oh. <laughs> <laughs> making it the most watched uh, TV broadcast in American history. To me, that is mind-blowing. I know. I'm, like it was the most depressing. I remember it, they'd replay it when I was a kid, uh, maybe before or after The Simpsons, and it was just... It was just that show that was always on and you'd be like, oh, no, MASH is on. Yeah. I probably appreciate it more Mesh. now, but as a kid, <laughs> oh, did you? Oh, <laughs> really? There you go. You're like, oh no, you mash is on. I'd be like, yes, mash. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so mash had this record. I can't believe that many people watched a, a sad sitcom. But anyway, um, <laughs> it took more than a quarter century. But in February 2010, just say Feb. Feb. <laughs> but in Feb 2010, Super Bowl. I'm going to say 44, XLIV, uh, finally broke that record when 106.5 million people watched the New Orleans Saints beat the Indianapolis Colts. Uh, the seven wow. Super Bowls that followed from 2011 to 2017 all broke even that record uh, with Super Bowl XLIX, what's that, uh, 49, which was, is it? I just looked 49. up XLIV. That was 44. You want XLIX? I think yeah, that, that is yeah. one below. Yep. So that one was played on Feb 1, 2015, and that currently holds the top spot with 114.4 million viewers on average. That's not the top, that's not the peak. That's the average. That's amazing. Viewer numbers. Yeah. Hectic. What is that? It's more than, it's almost five times Australia's population. Hectic. 
Uh, the Super Bowl gets such great ratings that the networks will use it as a lead-in for new shows. Uh, successful shows over the years that uh, premiered after the Super Bowl include The Wonder Years, Family Guy and the classic Undercover Boss. <laughs> and They all got that sweet start that's, and they rode that wave to success. Something that helps boost the TV ratings and I think probably almost the most famous thing about this. When do you think of the Super Bowl? What do you think of? The game, the ads... Half-time What's the other show. big part of it? Exactly, the halftime show. Of course. Show. I, I was like, uh, the cup? Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, well, I think I'll mention the cup soon. The Vince? Yes, lifting the Vincey boy. Vincey, oh, <laughs> can't wait to plant my lips on Vince. <laughs> oh, yeah, I wonder, do they, wonder if they talk like that because with the Brownlow, best player in the AFL, Australian Football League, they talk about taking Charlie home. I wonder if they talk about taking Vince home. Oh, I want to take Vince home tonight. <laughs> Polish up old Vince. <laughs> Give Vince a little smooch. Uh, from very humble beginnings, the halftime show has evolved into one of the biggest TV events in its own right. To illustrate how popular the halftime show has become, according to todayifoundout.com, more people watch Madonna's 2012 halftime performance than the actual Patriots versus Giants game, oh. which was a, apparently a classic game as well. But, yeah, people were like, oh, football's back on, turn it off. Oh, Madge is <laughs> done. The Super Bowl one halftime show, started, like I said, started from humble beginnings. They had two marching bands, a trumpeter named Al Hurt, I think it's, some, it's, it's like a trumpet legend, uh, and two men in jetpacks as well as 300 pigeons. <laughs> Two men in jetpacks is pretty sick. That's pretty cool. <laughs> and 300 pigeons is a lot, especially if you've trained That's them to do some sort of formation. That's sick. That could be a nightmare for the men in jetpacks, though. Yeah. <laughs> Sharing the airspace. Real hazard. 300 pigeons. <laughs> ow, ow, oh, God. <laughs> I think the jetpacks might have been the highlight. Yeah. Uh, over the first decades, the entertainment often featured university marching bands. <laughs> often jetpacks. Yeah. Uh, but then they had occasional big names sprinkled in, but not many. Uh, Ella Fitzgerald performed a song at Super Bowl VI. But generally, the halftime show was used as a toilet break for viewers at home. <laughs> uh, there's been a, a rumour that because of that, um, there's sewer problems that are caused by halftime in the Super Bowl because everyone's flushing at the same time. <laughs> but apparently there's Snopes.com. I looked it up and apparently there's no evidence to back that up. But uh. fun idea. In 1977, this maybe is my favourite of all of the uh, the game, <laughs> Super Bowl entertainments, the entertainment included a frisbee-catching dog named Ashley Whippet. <laughs> hey, boy. Imagine <laughs> <laughs> this big Ashley football Whippet. pitch. There's just a guy throwing a frisbee to a dog. To a dog in a jetpack. My pack. dad often tells a story about, I think, being at a cricket game and there was uh, two people throwing a frisbee for, for the dog. And the the crowd going fucking wild every time the dog <laughs> caught the frisbee, and he said like hey every it just got more and more and more and more people just going absolutely nuts. And then uh, one time, uh, I think there was a man and a woman, and the man threw the frisbee to the woman, and she caught it in her mouth. He's not in her mouth, in her hands, a bit lame. <laughs> and she kind of like you know curtsied or whatever, like or like you know gestured like how good was that? And the whole stadium was just silent. What? Just throw it to the dog. We don't care about it. We don't care that you caught a frisbee. Make that dog catch it. It's awesome. And then she throws it to the dog and everyone's like, yeah. Yeah, he's told that story many times. Oh, that's really 
<laughs> the poor lady. Yeah, that's brutal. I've trained for months for this. <laughs> don't show off then. Don't show off about it. That's all we don't like in Australia. We don't like people who show off. Right. We like dogs who show off. <laughs> Take a bow, dog. <laughs> I love that dog. That dog is my best friend. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, it's hard to top the uh, Ashley Whippet performance. But <laughs> Ashley. <laughs> History.com uh, has an article that goes through some of the weird and wonderful highlights and lowlights from over the years. And I'll, I'll summarise some of these now. Uh, Super Bowl four uh, in 1970 between Kansas City Chiefs and Minnesota Vikings uh, in New Orleans, the Weather Bureau issued a tornado warning and then a hot air balloon carrying a Vikings mascot crashed into the stands. Like it, just, it was struggling to take <laughs> off and then it just started going sideways, oh you know, God. like 10 feet off the ground. It's great footage. There was a lot of panic but no one got hurt. But, yeah, pretty amazing. <laughs> Uh, then at halftime, the same game, the Chiefs hot air balloon, which was meant to race the Vikings balloon at halftime. I can't believe they didn't bail on it after the the near disaster before the game. They they couldn't even get it airborne at all. Uh, so it was just an absolute fizzer. Producers then aimed to dazzle with a massive model of a Mississippi River steamboat laden with women in hoop skirts. But that ship didn't sail, ironically, as the field was too wet from a pre-game downpour. So they couldn't even get the... <laughs> I mean, it was meant to be this big thing. We're going to have a big... It's sort of like a steamboat. And it's not, but it's like a float that looks like a steamboat. We're going to yeah. send it across the field. Oh, it's too wet to do it, though. But, I mean, that was going to be pretty good. <laughs> it was such a, a low bar and they didn't clear it. But... Um, <laughs> But then it wasn't the end of it. It's just everything just didn't work that day. They, they organised a, a Battle of New Orleans reenactment. Are you familiar with the Battle of New Orleans? Apparently, no. it's a famous battle uh, between, I guess, the English redcoats, is it, and the and the Americans and the French, I'd think, because it's in New Orleans. And yeah, but it also flopped. The White Stallion of Andrew Jackson bolted when exploding cannons created a deafening roar. The horse just ran off um, before its cue. And the Associated Press wrote at the time, maybe that's the reason the scene ended with such an unhistorical twist with the Yanks and Frenchmen all sprawled on the ground in death and the red-coated British still firing away spiritedly. (laughs) (laughs) The British won the reenactment. Bit of fun. Uh, Super Bowl 23, and by the 1980s, the Super Bowl was must-see TV. But the halftime show was becoming a punchline. Not even the second jetpack appearance at Super Bowl 19 could shake the malaise. Uh, Recognising the need to change the narrative, producers of Super Bowl 23 halftime show in 1989 created one of the oddest experiences in television history. Coca-Cola was the sole sponsor for a show incorporating 3D technology called New Optics. For TV viewers to fully appreciate the Whizbang performance, the soft drink company distributed 26 million pairs of 3D glasses with its product. A clever marketing trick by Coke because uh, it meant that everyone had to go buy Coke to get the yeah. glasses. And that included, you know, like pubs and whatever. There was one bar owner had to buy so much Coke just to have glasses for his patrons. Kind of a clever scam in some ways. Bob Costas from the NBC threw to the uh, halftime event with the famous line, this is the single proudest moment of my life. <laughs> he was taking the piss. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's amazing that the the anchor, and they're always so professional, just couldn't even hide yeah. it. 
Uh, <laughs> but it's, it's a legend. I think it's so good. The the show I think was called Bebop Bamboozled, and it featured <laughs> Elvis Presto. <laughs> An Elvis impersonator slash magician <laughs> who performed magic tricks as 3D graphics flashed behind him and dancers performed a 1950s music amid computer-generated revolving cars and spinning planets. This sounds so ridiculous. <laughs> One of his tricks was basically a big, is this your card? Only with a, like a much bigger card. <laughs> the 3D viewing largely fizzled with the public. A reviewer wrote it was like watching a football halftime show in the distorted reflection of an old mirror. Mental Floss did a good article about the behind the scenes of it all, with including like the guy who came up with the concept and and people from the NFL. Uh, and it sounds like it was such a stressful mess. They had to replace the Elvis impersonator at the last minute because the guy who was meant to be Elvis, Elvis Presto, <laughs> he picked up a gig in a Japanese commercial at the last minute, so he, he left. Imagine anything now... Hey, you're the main actor of the Super Bowl halftime show. There's no bigger gig. Yeah. But it's like, I'm in an ad. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think the ad paid and that the, it was pretty poor pay for the – for a, a lot of the acts don't get paid at all, but I think this guy was only going to get paid a little bit. So he's like, I'm going to take the money over in Japan. And the 3D stuff, that was a Coke idea, I think from both meanings of the <laughs> word. And, um, <laughs> and it, it, they threw that in at the last – Minute, Coke goes to the NFL, we want to do a 3D thing. And NFL went to, I think the Elvis impersonating people were already organising a, a thing and they're like, you have to incorporate 3D into it now. They're like, what? It's next week. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what the fuck? I think my highlight of this, of all the reading I've done this week was Elvis Presto. <laughs> I just think it's so, the guy in that interview was talking about how he's like, oh, when we thought of it. It just works. <laughs> it just works on so many levels. <laughs> There's a group online on Facebook called the uh, Great Mate Sports Posting. And, and the Great Mate, it's spelled with mm-hmm. A's. Uh, it's a group people should join if they're interested in sport. It's sort of like Planet Broadcasting listeners who also like sports are in there. So I posted it in the, um, the other day asking if they had any things that I should mention. And I've sort of used some of them. There was too many people commented to read them all out. But um, Carrie Perrin wrote that in 1991 the new kids on the block performed. But the Gulf War was kicking off at that time, Desert Storm. So they were bumped from the live broadcast with a war report um, taking its place. Oh, wow. Yeah. Then at Super Bowl 27 at the Rose Bowl, back where, you know, the bowl name came from, in 1993, this is one of the most famous ones, Michael Jackson performed solo. This is seen as the beginning of the halftime show becoming a big name thing. Uh, before his performance, fans ra- rushed onto the field. Then Jackson stood there in silence for almost two minutes as anticipation grew. And then apparently he just, he just nailed it. <laughs> and then he just farted. I was the same producer as Elvis Presto, <laughs> called it Michael Flatulenson. <laughs> Michael Flatulenson. <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh <my laughs> Elvis Presto. You guys gave it nothing. <laughs> it's, 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 I mean, we just don't it doesn't love, work. We don't love puns as much as you. It's not. A, it's a. It doesn't work. Presto and Presto. I guess it's sort of. 
<laughs> but it's like they wanted to do a magic thing and they're like, how do we tie it in? Elvis yeah. Presley. And I love so many years after he died, it made no s- Anyway, all right. Stupid. <laughs> Can't get you on board. I feel I can understand that. Yeah, anyway, so Michael Jackson uh, put on a quite a performance. People raved about it. Not everyone, though. One letter to a newspaper wrote, to the uneducated observer, it would indeed seem to be merely a vulgar display of self-indulgence. Because <laughs> of all the crotch grabbing. Uh, over the following years, he sort of kicked off a, a wave of big names. Over the following years, performers like... Diana Ross, ZZ Top, James Brown, Boys to Men, Stevie Wonder, Phil Collins, Aerosmith, and U2 performed. Ooh. Uh, then there was Super Bowl 38. <laughs> if the King of Pop's performance was one of the greatest in Super Bowl history, his sister Janet Jackson's showing at Super Bowl 38 in 2004 was the most controversial. MTV produced the star studded show. Uh, infamous for Justin Timberlake tearing off part of Jackson's top and exposing her breast for a split sec- second as she sang Rock Your Body. That year's show also included P. Diddy, Nelly, Jessica Simpson and Kid Rock, but it's most remembered for this wardrobe malfunction. Uh, the FCC fined CBS, the Super Bowl broadcast that year, and Jackson was blacklisted by TV and radio stations. But Timberlake, who remained fully clothed during his performance, suffered no penalty. According to Rolling Stone, it killed off Janet Jackson's previously unstoppable career. Almost 20 years of hit-making zapped in one breast bounce. I don't like that. Damn near killed Justin's too. (laughs) As his clumsy and none-too-gallant handling of the controversy ended his post-Ansic honeymoon with the public, though he sort of bounced back in a couple of years uh, with the help of Timberland and his, you know, sexy back and all those songs, I guess. But yeah, amazing. Apparently, Janet Jackson's career has never recovered. What? I mean, is it? A, and I don't know that much about it. But was it planned or was it an accident? Well, I think the the theory is it was planned. It seemed oh, like it seemed weird God. that it just. Of course, it was planned. It fucking okay, of course it, was it tore away perfectly, and she had like a little nipple pasty on. So okay, well, obviously, I haven't analysed the footage uh, as closely as Jess Perkins has, <laughs> but um, but it's it's the OG wardrobe malfunction. That's yes. like where that was where that term Except was used. What about two two weeks ago in the Live Aid report, Jess? We had Mick Jagger accidentally uh, took off Tina Turner's skirt during their performance. Oh dear! And many people thought that that was planned. Oh right. Oh, so maybe they were. Yeah, that this is probably all. Written somewhere, but maybe it was seen as trying to create a similar thing. But it's obviously is, so. You, are we saying that it backfired? Who do you think planned it, Bob? Then, uh, like, uh, well, I mean, I mean, I don't, I don't care that much to have strong opinions <laughs> about it. But and I haven't seen it for a long time. I've just googled it. But it's like the third thing that comes up when you Google Janet Jackson. So it's still, yeah, you know. And you wonder, like, if it was anyone other than just her, and it had to at least be her and Timberlake. Yeah. But probably the producers as well, and they've just let her cop it all. Yeah, exactly. And they've let it cop it all. So, but I'm just wondering, what's the official story from them? Are they saying, oh, it was an accident and we should still punish her? Yeah, no, I, yeah, surely they must be like, a, you can't punish her unless you think it was planned, right? Uh, yeah, I don't know. Like, I think. Um, well, I'm. I'm reading. I'm just found the Wikipedia, and it says exactly what Matt said. It's just you know, it's just for a second, and then it immediately cuts to a wide shot. But it feels like it was sort of part of the choreography. I don't really know why he would grab her there. 
improv. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that should be the story otherwise. Yeah, right? if that happened and you're like you're dancing and doing a song with someone you've rehearsed it many, 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 many times because it's for the Super Bowl, which is a big deal, and then he suddenly grabs your boob, you're going to be like, dude, what yeah. the fuck? Also, there's a still afterwards that I'm looking at where she's covering her breast and then JT is just standing next to her. He doesn't look like, oh, yeah, shit. And neither yeah, does right. she, Super embarrassed. You know? He's looking, he just looks, he's giving you sexy yeah. eyes. Yeah, interesting. Even if it is, why would you blacklist someone for that? Who cares? Yeah, Who I, I think it's was it's a daytime TV. They're worried about the children. Yeah, I guess so. Oh no, them. The children. Hang on, hang on, hang on. Here we go. I just, one of the suggested Googles was was Nipplegate planned? And here, uh, stylist says Janet Jackson's Super Bowl wardrobe monk function was planned by Justin Timberlake. That plan was eventually nixed, and they decided to pull off Janet's top instead. What did you plan? <laughs> Oh, he was going to drop trowel. <laughs> <laughs> he was, he was going to get it out. He was going to get his nipple chaps. out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I really don't. I really don't know. I think I'm. Uh, I'm basing that on thoughts that I, you know, heard at the time. I don't care that much. I think it's ridiculous that something like that ended her career. God's sake, yeah. it's just a boob. Thank you, Dave. It's just a boob, and one day you'll get to see one, little buddy. I'm sure of it. Uh, well, I'm on Google Images, all right? <laughs> <laughs> Not at work, please, mate. Not at work, okay? <laughs> but yeah, it does seem even no matter how planned accident to, to stop her career is so wild, ridiculous. And the the Rolling Stone article also suggests that because MTV produced it, that was the moment that they decided to bail out of the music business entirely. They reckon it sort of ended. MTV's been a, a proper music station. It killed MTV. <laughs> yeah, sort of. The nipple that killed MTV. <laughs> that was from a Rolling Stone article that ranked the performances from uh, best to worst or worst to best. The worst ever, it said, was one of Dave's favourite bands, the Black Eyed Peas. Oh, Boom Boom Pow. 2011 performance, uh, They <laughs> Rolling Stone said, music had a rough day. <laughs> Uh, but they rated Prince's 2007 performance as the best, and this seems to be the consensus. Uh, most articles I read, and I watched the performance, it's pretty amazing. And that that uh, Facebook group I was talking about, Great Mates Sports Posting, in that Bradley uh, Trenery talked about Prince's performance saying, Super Bowl 41 had booked Prince as the halftime entertainment. The weather forecast said there would be torrential rain, so the organisers were thinking of changing or even cancelling the halftime show. When they called Prince to tell him that they uh, they were going to have a, uh, expect a lot of rain during his performance, uh, and it would be difficult to perform in, he paused and then asked if they could make it rain more. Oh, that's <laughs> badass! <laughs> One question: Can you rate make it rain more? Is that all you got? Like that's a very cool response from Prince, but then imagine being that person who had to have that conversation with him, and you're like, right. "No, I yeah," or just um. <laughs> Sorry, Prince, but um, <laughs> sorry, Prince. I know you Prince? you're a magical being, but do you understand how weather works? <laughs> so, did it rain during his? Performance? It did rain. Purple, uh, <laughs> and yeah, and it's seen as being one of the greatest halftime shows ever, if not the greatest. Ooh. And he finished with an epic extended version, lots of uh, solos and stuff. Version of Purple Rain. The whole stadium purple, rain coming down. It was pretty, it was magic. That's cool. That's, 
That's so cool. Yeah, it was really, really cool. How did they make the rain purple? Did they put food dye in the clouds? Yes. <laughs> they had to go up uh, with some New York jets and sort of shoot <laughs> purple food dye into That's the clouds. Nice. As it's raining and he's soloing, can you just hear him yelling, more, more, <laughs> more. Is that all you got? Is that all you got? Clouds. More. I'm Prince. <laughs> I'm Prince. I think that there was sort of like, I think the television broadcast, or I don't know if it was at the ground, it looked like they were doing fake lightning effects as well. So maybe they were like, maybe we can chuck in some CGI, I guess, maybe. Mm. Uh, according to history.com, after the um, nipple gate, the NFL were eager to play it safe. So they booked Paul McCartney, the Rolling Stones, Prince, Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers, Bruce Springsteen and the East Street Band and The Who for the next five Super Bowl oh, halftime shows. Sorry, I thought there was one no, show no, yeah. going, what? <laughs> what is happening? So by that list, I can assume that playing it safe seems to mean not booking any women. <laughs> and as the feminist of the pod, <laughs> I think that makes sense. You just never know when they're going to get a tit out. Yeah. <laughs> it's absolutely right. They've just gone, we can't take that risk again. <laughs> Let's get a bunch of old men. <laughs> and, we won't get, and we won't get JT out because he'll just dack everyone. <laughs> I'm sure that's not what they were. History.com was meaning to intend. They're saying like just like less pop stars, just more old old rockers, rockers who don't tend to get too risque. But that's basically the same thing. All old white men. They rarely get their nipples out. How many times? No Iggy Pop, of course. (laughs) In the in the six plus years that we've been doing this podcast, how many times have I got a tit out? Lost count. Counted on a couple of hands. (laughs) Yeah. Couple of hands, couple of feet. Yeah, yeah, and we've only done, but we've done like three hundred and twenty plus episodes. So yeah, yeah. So like percentage wise, I've been very conservative. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's, it's rare. It's I'm a prude. <laughs> and you always have those. What do you call it? Nipple yeah, pasties. Little nipple pasties on. Always glittery ones. Of course, you never know when you're yeah. going to get a tit out, so you got to prepare. <laughs> the actual offensive bit is the areola. Exactly. Ooh. That's that right? disgusting. Ooh. God, it makes me vomit. But men's nipples, beautiful. Oh, a thing of beauty. So gorgeous. While Janet Jackson's uh, career was ended by that incident, Justin Timberlake was invited back and performed at the 2018 show. This doesn't seem strange. It's like how do you blacklist one and then go to the other one who clearly did it Mm. and go, wow, you're forgiven. You're fine. Wouldn't it be, it would be so, I think it would be so smart for them to have Janet Jackson back anyway. We'd all be watching. Everyone would watch that for sure and it would just be a cool, it would just be a cool thing to go, hey, we're not stuck in the past. Yeah. You know. And she has so many hits too. Yeah. Like to be a perfect medley artist. Totally, exactly. Another one that's kind of iconic but I don't really get why was uh, 2015's Katy Perry performance. She had two Guys in shark costumes as backup dancers. Oh, that's right. Oh, yeah. And according to history.com, a shark became a sensation during Katy Perry's performance of Teenage shark? Dream. While the dancing right shark performed capably, the left shark danced comically out of sync. I watched the footage, I'm like, that's, I could hardly tell that they were doing anything different. That's because you no have great no choreographer, rhythm. though. <laughs> that's true. That is true. But it's just funny. I've seen an interview uh, with the guy who was in the left shark suit (laughs) and he's like, you know, they they told me to have fun with it. He's like, I did what they wanted me to do. He's like, I didn't, it wasn't a fuck up or anything. And apparently he puts on his, um, uh, like his CV, I was left shark. (laughs) (laughs) Famous left shark. Yeah, the internet mocked him, became a meme, all that sort of stuff. 
but the choreographer of the show poured cold water on the topic saying, the Sharks were giving two main objectives. One, perform Katie's trademark moves to the Teenage Dream Chorus, which they both did perfectly, and two, to have loads of fun and bring to life these characters in a cartoon manner, giving them a Tweedledee, Tweedledum type persona. And he's like, nailed it. They did it. Right. Yeah. I, don't, I, I just watched it. I'm like, I was expecting, I'm like, I am ready to <laughs> laugh yeah. at this shark. This shark is like, going to fall oh. off this stage. <laughs> yeah, I just thought it would be something... You, like, pre-filled your mouth with water so that you could do a great spit take. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> Here we go. Uh, let's get back to the football. That's been our nice little halftime break there. Let's talk <laughs> about Vince. Who's taking Vince home oh, tonight? Who's going to smooch up Vincey? So Vince Lombardi was the coach of the Green Bay Packers when they won Super Bowl one and two, as well as three of the last five pre-Super Bowl NFL championships before the, the leagues came together. Uh, when he died in 1970, it was decided the Super Bowl trophy would be named in his honour and the Super Bowl winners still hoist the Vince Lombardi trophy to this day. Unlike the old Ed Thorpe trophy, each year a new Lombardi trophy is made for the winning team to keep. The trophies are made out of sterling silver by Tiffany & Co and it takes the jeweler four months to make the trophy, which I don't understand. But Wow. It's made by Tiffany & Co. <laughs> yeah. cool. Do they, like, deliver it to them in that classic mint green box with a little bow? <laughs> I hope so. And assume. Wow. Uh, speaking of the Ed Thorpe Trophy, it became embroiled in a mystery of its own. The first trophy had its mystery, the one that was donated by the tyre department, and the Ed Thorpe Trophy, the one that replaced it, also uh, ended up in a bit of a mystery. Uh, the last time it was believed to be awarded was the year before the merger when the Minnesota Vikings won it. Uh, taking out the NFL championship. And they were thought to have accidentally left it behind at a gas station on their way to Super Bowl IV. <laughs> uh, some believe that this has led to the Vikings receiving the Ed Thorpe curse. Oh, no. As since then, the team has lost all four of its Super Bowl appearances. Uh, this seems to be a furphy, though, as the trophy has since turned up at the Green Bay Hall of Fame and it seems that it was never even presented to the Vikings in 1969 which is a shame because I really love a curse oh, story. Oh, love a curse. Love a curse. Damn it. I know something you've both been wondering and you'd be like, when's he going to get to it? Yeah. When's he going to get to it? Well, here we go. This is how the Super Bowl stadium is selected. Oh. <laughs> Basically, people, uh, cities apply and they pitch for it, sort of like the Olympics or whatever, but there's certain things you, your city has to have and your stadium has to have um, to be eligible. And uh, a document was leaked a few years ago which uh, lists the requirements of, of what the city needed to come up with. The document was 153 pages long. Oh, <laughs> oh my God. The, the longest rider in history. <laughs> yeah. You will need a good supply of. The helicopter needs to be blue on the inside. <laughs> uh, according to Sports Illustrated, the mammoth document includes all of the expected requests, such as a minimum of 70,000 fixed seats, luxury boxes, and enough hotel rooms throughout the city. But there are plenty of non-game-related caveats as well, including having reservations at two, quote, top-quality bowling lanes and three top-quality 18-hole golf courses in near proximity to the host venue. Seems like the, the bosses at the NFL just use it and they're like, we're going to have a good time yeah. and we can just make a city give us a great holiday. It's so weird. That'd be, they're so rich. Yeah. It's so weird to be like, 
Uh, and you're going to pay us. You're going to pay for our golf game and our bowling game. Is there, do they reckon they ever actually go bowling or they just know that it's there? Yeah, I wonder. Who's got time for bowling? Yeah. It's Super Bowl weekend. <laughs> the real Super Bowl <laughs> is 10-pin. <laughs> yeah, all the, all the bosses are just there. <laughs> and they're going, no one knows that. We got that one just to take everyone's attention away while we play for the real <laughs> the prize. the real one. And they're playing for like the corpse of Vincent Barty or something. <laughs> they're playing for that first trophy that they lost all those years ago. Yeah, that's right. When a host city can't meet the demands, they sometimes uh, have to get creative, like Jacksonville in Florida who hosted Super Bowl 39. As they didn't have enough hotel rooms to meet the NFL's requirements, they had to dock five luxury cruise ships to work as floating hotels for the event. <laughs> That's thinking. That's using that's your thinking. noggin. And they right? probably they probably also have bowling alleys on board. Yeah, exactly. So that's that's the two birds one stone scenario. <laughs> uh, the NFL also requests that team hotels subscribe to the NFL network for at least one year leading up to the Super Bowl. Why? It's like we really need those subscription. Who's got to dollars. subscribe? The hotels where the players will stay oh, okay. for a year leading up to it. Oh, they've okay. got to subscribe to the. Well, so the staff might recognise when John Elway walks in or something. It's <laughs> so weird. Also, leading up to the Super Bowl, the league must be given priority over all ice and snow project removal uh, outside of those that directly threaten life or public safety. Oh, okay. That, that's good. That's nice of them. Yeah. <laughs> but if it's just some guy trying to get to school. <laughs> yeah. Fuck him. Then it Don't then care. Don't care. Ignore. Are you crushed? Are you crushed by snow? If not, move Fuck on. off. Fuck off. Leave him. They also... Uh, require full tax exemption from the city, state and local taxes on tickets sold to the game and the events leading up to it. They just hold them at ransom basically. Wow. You want it? If you want it, we're going to take everything we can. <laughs> I will need eight uh, suitcases full of gold bars <laughs> yeah. dropped off at my house. Fucking hell. Yeah, the 153 pages of, of these sort of stipulations. Oh, that's, that's wild. Really... But is it worthwhile for the city because like uh, the boost to the economy? Brings so much. Yeah. Yeah, you, I'm surely they must do the you know the studies to make sure. Wow. Although they say the Olympics now cost billions, cost more than they make. I think for a host city, and that's why less and less cities are asking for it. Apparently, up, yeah. Melbourne has been invited to um, put its hand up for the Commonwealth Games because no one else, no one else, no one put their hand, no one up. Put their hand up. So the Commonwealth for the Games, Commonwealth. Like, hey, Melbourne, do you, <laughs> yeah, do you want to? <laughs> We we hosted we it had in it not 2006. That long ago. Yeah. They're like, hey, yeah, uh, nobody can. wants it. Can, to save embarrassment, do you mind if you ask us if yeah. what, you, you can have it? I reckon you could ask for a residency. We did it every year for 50 years. And it, but it was also the same with Brisbane and Gold Coast for the Olympics. I think they were basically like, if you want it, you can have yeah. it. <laughs> no one else has applied. Yeah. Yeah, so it's. I think it um, sounds like the Super Bowl might be going in the same direction. If all that gets out of hand, they might... Eventually, cities are going to be like, maybe if it gets too expensive, they might. Like, yeah. You're really going to have to take this back a bit. Uh, one last thing that I'll mention is they also make the host city pay all travel and expenses for a familiarization trip for the league to inspect the region ahead of the Super Bowl. So, like, you also just pay for a. <laughs> A, a little holiday for us to yeah, come here. Wow. We just want to come. They're, it's like they're all billionaires and millionaires. They go, it's, it's so funny it's how crazy. little rich people pay for yeah, stuff. Yeah. <laughs> well, how do you think they got so rich? Yeah, that's true. So, yeah, they're just super tight asses, I think, the NFL. Uh, speaking of them being tight, they're really tight with their trademarks. 
Apparently in America, leading up to the Super Bowl, lots of ads and, and you'll hear uh, radio hosts and see a lot of social media posts refer to the Super Bowl as the big game instead of the Super Bowl. Why is this? Well, according to Vox.com, it's because uh, they cannot say the Super Bowl unless they pay for that privilege because it is a registered NFL trademark and has been since 1969. Uh, the league also owns the term Super Sunday, all the team names, logos and uniform designs and the Super Bowl shield graphic. I mean, a lot of that makes sense, but just... You can't say the name of the game. You can't say it. Are you going to go to the big game? You know the one I'm talking about. <laughs> yeah. And, and it seems like, you know, there's a, there should be a lot of exceptions, but they're so extremely aggressive about protecting its trademarks that people are too afraid to even Even you know, on like test the them news? Because they'll take them to court. I think that surely the news can say it. Wow. Imagine seeing a news like the sports reporter being like, and the big game happening this weekend. <laughs> yeah. No, I, surely the news wow. can say it. According to this Fox article, the NFL would say that it has to be protective because if it doesn't prevent people from using the game's logo or name for free, how can it charge official sponsors millions of dollars to use it? Uh, for, <laughs> for instance... <laughs> if we gave it out, we couldn't make millions, <laughs> yeah. you understand. Whoa. Well, for instance, Anheuser-Busch uh, spends around $250 million a year to be the only alcohol company allowed to advertise nationally during the game. It's not the season, that's... Apparently just during the Super Bowl. Shit. And to use the various Super Bowl trademarks on its products, uh, it's not going to be thrilled if the NFL does nothing to protect its investment. That's what they would say. Uh, This is why the NFL frequently sues over counterfeit goods that use the term or logo without permission, sends cease and desist letters to churches that advertise Super Bowl parties. They've done this to multiple churches. There was one that... Um, was going to charge $3 for a fundraiser at the church to come and watch the Super Bowl. And in the the ad it said, come to the Super Bowl party, $3. <laughs> that church got a cease and desist letter. And the, the, the priest was like, or the reverend or whatever is like interviewed about it. And he's like, they might think they're bigger, <laughs> but they're, they're going to get what's coming. He's basically saying... <laughs> They're yeah. going to hell for this. Yeah. They're not bigger than God. <laughs> yeah, I love, yeah. The, the commissioner turns up and burns down the church. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, wild. NFL also had a brief beef with porn actress Jenna Jamison over a Super Bowl-themed lingerie show. Uh, and for years it even insisted that watch parties hosted by any kind of organisation could not use televisions larger than 55 inches. They'd come around with Are a tape measure. Are you fucking <laughs> kidding me? So weird. Because of all this, Stephen Colbert had a running joke on his old show uh, where he wouldn't say Super Bowl, but he would say Superb Owl. (laughs) 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 It's really funny. He tweeted in 2004. So I think he'd talk about the game but then throw in owl facts as well to sort of... (laughs) uh, And then in 2014 he tweeted, if you're a fan of my Superb Owl coverage, tweet about it with the official hashtag... Hashtag Superb Owl, which is obviously <laughs> Super Bowl. <laughs> That's so good. It sounds like, like I was saying, in a lot of these cases it's probably okay for small businesses to use the term under nominative fair use. Many don't though because the NFL are so quick to sue and being sued by super rich organisations, you just, you you know, they, they can just um, wait you out in court and all that sort of stuff. You know, they pay their lawyers and you just drain you of your funds or whatever. 
Uh, funnily enough, according to Vox, this rule was established by the Ninth Circuit Federal Court of Appeals in California in 1992 when the boy band New Kids on the Block tried to sue a magazine that had been operating a poll via a 1-900 number, encouraging people to call in and vote on which one of them was the hottest. Isn't that the funniest scam? A magazine's going, pay us to vote in a thing about who's the hottest, the thing that does not matter in any way. I would disagree. As the hottest member of this podcast, I would disagree that <laughs> who's the hottest doesn't matter. What were the odds that the new kids on the block were going to come up twice in any mm. report, let alone this report? Um, yeah, because they had, so the new kids on the block had their own 1-900 number and you could pay to talk to them. So they, uh, like the core, it must have been what the Corey hotline on The Simpsons was based on. Yeah. Uh, so they argued there was possible confusion about the source of the product, uh, that consumer confusion is specifically what trademark is meant to protect against. Anyway, they lost as the two phone lines were clearly different things and there was no way for the magazine to describe New Kids on the Block without saying New Kids on the Block. They could have said, you know, the big boy band. <laughs> the big band. So sometimes the NFL sort of suggests, you know, they don't have to say Super Bowl, they just say the big game, you know, that's what, that's what people say. But in 2008, the NFL also tried to copyright the phrase "the big game." Fucking <laughs> but, hell! But they were they were unsuccessful, so people can still freely say "the big game." Uh, yeah, all that I found that amazing, baffling. I'm just going to finish with a bunch of sort of slightly more football-related facts and stuff, and that these are mainly from some of those great mates. Uh, posts and the sports posts. And are you group. wanting me to decide if these are fun? Yeah, that'd be great. I think some of them, I did say to them, ideally the fun facts would be fun for even people who don't give a fuck about football. Yeah. And some of them are definitely do not quite pass okay. that test, I don't think. Uh, according to Colm Connolly, as of the 2021 Super Bowl, Tom Brady has played in 10 Super Bowls, which is more than half of his non-injured seasons as a starting quarterback. It's also 18% of all Super Bowls played till that point. 18? Wow. Like since before he was born, that's counting those Super Bowls, he's played in 18% of all Super Bowls, which is wild. Mm. Uh, Lynn Hattat adds uh, a couple more mind-blowing Brady facts. Jess, I don't know. What do you think? Is that a fun fact? Or? That's a fun fact. That's amazing. So Lynn adds a couple more Brady facts. He said he's a big Brady stan uh, and says... Uh, Brady's seven Super Bowl wins are more than any individual team has won Super Bowls. The Patriots and Steelers have both won the most with six each. Brady has won seven. Wow. That blew my mind. That's fun. The Patriots' six Super Bowl wins, he was in all of those, and then he went to the Buccaneers and won again. He, in fact, has more Super Bowl wins than the bottom 18 teams in the NFL combined. <laughs> combined. <laughs> How many teams are there again? There's 32. Oh, my God. Wow. Is it 32? Yeah. Four times four times two. Yep. Yep. <laughs> after the Patriots and Steelers oh, – I added this one in. This is, probably isn't that fun. But after the Patriots and Steelers come the San Francisco 49ers and Dallas Cowboys who have each won five. I mainly say this because I go for the 49ers and I want people to know that I also support successful teams. Although, admittedly, they haven't won any since I started supporting. <laughs> <laughs> I like, I, when I started writing that, I'm like, see, I'm not a jinx. Hang on. Hang on. I started going for them and they've lost two Super Bowls since then. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. Matt Stewart curse. Brady has also won the most Super Bowl MVP awards, the only Super Bowl MVP for two different teams, and he's the oldest person to win a Super Bowl MVP. 
Uh, Peyton Manning is the only other starting quarterback to win a Super Bowl for two different teams. Brady's also the only quarterback to win a Super Bowl for both conferences, the only quarterback to win a Super Bowl in his home stadium, and the only person to win a Super Bowl in three different decades, which is, you know, wild in itself. But I guess you can, if you n- nail the timing, you know, it's reasonable to think people could do it over a 12 year span, mm, 11 yeah. year, 12 year span, yeah. One final fact from Lynn. Uh, this one's a general Super Bowl fact. Uh, the performers of the Superb Owl halftime show don't get paid a single cent. What? They get paid with, you guessed it, the exposure. But I think now you'd be like, all right, that is genuine exposure, although a huge risk that it's also career-ending. Oh, no. If you fuck it up. So even now they don't get paid anything. Yeah, that's interesting, isn't yeah. it? The NFL are tight. They're so tight. They know that, like, well, if you don't want to do it, Bruno Mars will do it. Yeah. If he doesn't want to do it, Coldplay will do it. Yeah, Just go down the list. I'll make some calls. Yeah, that's right. Uh, Jacob Petter-Platt says, I think that's the end of the the Brady section. Do you want to give us a fun or non-fun? Oh, all fun. All fun. Brady, what a legend. You couldn't do a Super Bowl report without talking about Tom Brady. Yeah. Without a guy that's won 18% of them. That's crazy. And he still looks young. I don't know what – it feels like he's unnatural somehow. Yeah, yeah he got some sort of oxygen chamber or yeah, something. Yeah, I reckon he sleeps in an oxygen chamber. <laughs> yeah. I, I hadn't thought of that. That makes sense. He's probably rich enough to have an oxygen chamber. Yeah, and he's married to Giselle, isn't he? The animal. <laughs> No, they're, they're models. So she, they're probably in the, they're probably in a separate chamber, right? The animal. <laughs> the animal. <laughs> Jacob Petterplatt says uh, one of the fun things they do is get the cameraman to spot celebrities in the crowd. I know I've seen Paul McCartney, Bradley Cooper, Stallone, and others on the broadcast. Just vibing. <laughs> I love that from JPP. Thank you, Jacob. Just. One of the, one of his I love that the fa- one of his favorite Super Bowl things is just watching the crowd. I've seen some celebs. I don't like watching the performers. No. I don't like watching the football. I don't like watching the ad. I like watching people in the crowd. <laughs> There's something for everyone. That's what the Super Bowl means to me. According to Johnny Dudley, Chuck Howley, a Dallas Cowboys linebacker, remains the only player to win a Super Bowl MVP from a losing team. He was MVP in the Super Bowl five when the Cowboys lost to the Baltimore Colts. I had to throw in some of these genuine footy facts for for the footy people. But mm. that is cool though that even though his team won, he obviously did a really good yeah, effort. Yeah, it must have been I mean, amazing. Yeah. Now the Super Bowl MVP, Bob, now that's the equivalent of the Norm Smith medal. Okay. You just said it an hour and a half early. Yeah. <laughs> it's just a bit of a delay, I think. <laughs> is there a bit of a delay at your end? <laughs> That, it's happened in the AFL. The Norm Smith has gone to players on the losing team, but that used to happen because they would decide the Norm Smith medal before the end of the game, <laughs> which makes no. How do you not like the game's on the line and there's twenty minutes to go? Someone could really pretty much win the Norm Smith what, in that time alone. Like if someone kicks the winning goal on the siren, yeah, or, after or maybe the kick the last four goals to mm. you know, it just makes no sense. And they got caught out one year. Uh, I think Buckley won it in a losing grand final and the result flipped in the meantime and someone else, you know, won the game and it should have gone. But anyway, so I think they now do it at the end of the game. What an amateur sort Uh. of bungle that is. McKenna Middlebrook said, as a Buffalo fan, this episode will hurt me. (laughs) And I'm like, I wonder what that means. Like, Buffalo seem like a pretty good team. And then the very next comment, just coincidentally, I think they posted at the same time, Connor Tyrrell wrote... The Buffalo Bills went to four Super Bowls in a row and lost all four. 
Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I can see why that might hurt, hurt you there, yeah. McKenna. Sorry about that. Who knows? Because uh, we're recording this a little bit ahead of time. Buffalo Bills are still alive at time of recording. Who knows? Well, who so knows? is Tom Brady. He's still alive at the time of He's recording. He's still alive. Wow. A- even at his age. <laughs> <laughs> you should be you should be in a retirement home. Uh, Ryan Blades wanted me to mention how cost prohibitive it is for an average fan to go to the Super Bowl. Uh According to a great video I watched and will link to on the NFL Throwback Network, tickets to Super Bowl One went for six bucks, while Super Bowl Fifty Three tickets went for an average of have a guess average ticket price. Oh, two hundred. Four thousand six hundred. <gasps> what the hell? The average ticket. What? what? I thought two hundred bucks. I was like, that's quite a lot for one game. Yeah. I think the AFL average price would be <laughs> just as holding up a picture of Tom Brady. Is that Tom Brady or Ryan Seacrest? So beautiful. It just it, it, The funny thing is, like, if I see someone like that and that this is pre-Tom Brady, I'll be like, geez, I bet that guy was college quarterback yeah. and homecoming <laughs> king. And he probably was. Fucker. <laughs> yeah, I'm, get, I'm just assuming you're giving these all fun yeah, facts. Yeah, these are all so fun. Would, yeah. Do you let me know if one isn't fun? Of course. How about that? Four grand, but is that because most tickets are like fifty bucks, and then there's like corporate boxes that are like thirty million dollars to I buy one? I, I don't think so. I think that's just that's the pe- cheap tickets are still that's what people a lot pay. of money. Yeah, Fuck. and you got to get there because it's only once have they played their home stadium. Is that right? That's right. Yeah. So recently, it re- it just doesn't really happen. It's decided ahead of time, ages in advance. So like, if you're a Baltimore fan or whatever that lives in LA, you got to yeah. fly there as well. Probably accommodations all. Yeah, everything goes up. Yeah. And it's, uh, this year, I mean, it's annoying that we're doing this at a time, but LA is still in with a chance to be one of the – I thought that would be the first ones to play a Super Bowl at their home stadium, but maybe that's not right. Maybe it's win it at a home stadium or something. It doesn't but didn't matter. Tom – you said before that Tom Brady's only one who's won at home At his stadium. home stadium. I was I was recently? thinking maybe that was his home state rather than his team's uh, home stadium. I thought stadium. in the last couple of years one of them just happened to line oh, up with okay. The, you know, you might be right. It's one of those things that – Do you want to double-check f- that so yeah. people don't yell at their iPods? Uh, this one comes from – Chad Metz, James, uh, Jason Mack and Jonathan Garrett, they all mentioned that the Super Bowl day is also a lot about food. So I'm like, oh, I better look this up. Uh, and according to the US Department of Agriculture, Super Bowl Sunday is America's second largest food consumption day. Thanksgiving. Yes. Isn't that funny? Thanksgiving yes. day is, is a day for eating meals. Super Bowl yeah. day, it's so funny that it, it's only beaten by a day that is basically called food eating day. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, according to FranchiseSports.co.uk, Americans will consume 400% more burgers on Super Bowl Sunday than the UK does in the whole year. What? Also, the amount of bacon eaten equates to 22,700 pigs. <laughs> One little slice at a time. Uh, Americans on average will eat 6,000 calories, more than twice the recommended level on Super Bowl Sunday. And uh, this makes sense after you hear all that. 6% of Americans will call in sick the day after Super Bowl. <laughs> That's a big chunk. Uh, yes. Just fact-taking, wow. Super Bowl 55 played in 2021. Oh, was right. Was that at Tampa Bay? At Tampa Bay. Gotcha. And uh, that's the first ever time that a, a team has played at Super Bowl at their home stadium. But uh, it also it was the least attended Super Bowl due to COVID. Only 25,000 people were allowed. Yeah, but they were all charged $1 million. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, the tickets would have been more. You're right. You're right. 
Not sure if this one's a fun fact or not, Bob, but Mental Floss estimated that more than 23 million Americans were to legally bet approximately $4.3 billion on Super Bowl 55 in 2021, a record amount due in part to people in states like Colorado, Illinois and Michigan being able to legally wager on the game for the first Ah. time. $4.3 billion gambled on the game. Wild. Uh, Josh Palmer mentioned the famous power outage of Super Bowl 47, which was played at the New Orleans Superdome between the Baltimore Ravens and the San Francisco 49ers. Uh, According to wikipedia.org, Baltimore dominated the first half of the game, leading 21-6 at halftime. The Ravens immediately picked back up uh, their scoring after Jacoby Jones returned the second half kickoff, a record 108 yards that would give them a 28 to 6 lead. You know, the kickoff mm. at the start of mm-hmm. a half, the other team catches it, normally gets tackled soon after, and that's their starting spot to try and drive the ball up the field. But he caught it and just straighted his way through the whole field and <laughs> from 108 yards. Fuck. Pretty cool, um, oh. even though it was against my team. However, a partial power outage in the Super Bowl, uh, the Superdome following the return, suspended the play for 34 minutes, earning the game the added nickname of the Blackout Bowl. After play resumed, San Francisco began to rally, scoring 17 unanswered third quarter points to cut the Ravens' lead to 28-23. to And their lead continued to get slimmer and slimmer in the fourth quarter, with the Ravens leading late in the game 34-29. to The 49ers drove down to the Baltimore seven-yard line just before the two-minute warning, but turned the ball over on downs due to a controversial no-call on fourth down. <laughs> that might sound, does that sound a bit gibberish? Jess and I looking to like, what the hell is this <laughs> no, I, just, I just saw Dave's face was as blank as mine. I was like, there's a lot of numbers here, there's a lot of jargon Sorry. I don't follow. So so basically the, there was a blackout. At the time of the blackout, the 49ers were getting flogged. After the blackout, the 49ers flew home and got really cl- within seven yards of getting a touchdown to put them in front. But the refs didn't make a call when I guess some thought there should have been a penalty for the 49ers, but it wasn't, so they turned the ball over and that was basically ah. the end of the game. Ravens player Ray Lewis later stated in an interview that he believed the blackout was part of a conspiracy against the Ravens, saying, so they were up and then the blackout happened and then the game got a lot closer. He said, you're a zillion-dollar company and your lights go out? No way. <laughs> 49ers CEO uh, Jed York responded to the claim on Twitter in jest tweeting, there is no conspiracy. I pulled the plug. (laughs) (laughs) That's funny. That's That's really good. A slightly grimmer one. This is from Meredith Semmelbeck on the on that Facebook group. Apologies to all that. There were so many people posting here. I wasn't able to get through them all. But like I say, join up that group and you can read the thread yourself if you want to, dear listener. Uh, but Meredith Semmelbeck wrote, don't know if you want to go this dark, but the Super Bowl is paid by the military to integrate pop propaganda into their event, including pregame ceremonies, national anthem, military guests, presentation of colours, etc. It's used as a big recruitment ad. So that was interesting. Yeah, kind of like um, the Simpsons when the, <laughs> the Navy used uh, a new kids on the block soul band. Oh, Ivan Etniage. Ivan Etniage. Just got a couple of last quick fun facts uh, from Mental Floss to finish up. Uh, in an episode of The Simpsons, which aired on January 23, 1992, Lisa correctly guessed that Washington would beat Buffalo in Super Bowl. 26. Cool. Which is pretty fun. 
I wonder if that was the episode where home was sort of in, into the gambling. I reckon it would be, yeah. And that's, I love that episode. I didn't. It made no sense as a kid, but he was watching all these experts and they'd have their lock of the day and then they'd put a big <laughs> lock on the or a big boot and all these sort of gimmicky yeah. things. Uh, it's so fun and now I've got to go back and watch that episode because it'll make a lot more sense to me. I'm like, what is the spread? <laughs> uh, finally, this one, I've, I've loved this video for a long time. The 1985 Bears, who some call the best team of all time, recorded a hit rap song called Super Bowl Shuffle. Have you seen it? No. That's so good. Uh, it was so good that it was nominated for a Grammy Award for best R&B performance by a duo or group with vocal. No way. Is it genuinely good? Or no, is it? no. Oh, it's right. It's, <laughs> it's like gra- so bad it's good. But they got a Grammy nom for it. But, I mean, it's, it's really of its time as well. It's hard to know because it's 85 rap, but I don't think it would have been. But it's, it's fun. It's, it's a fun watch. Just... <laughs> They're all in there just sort of doing this sort of side-to-side shovel dance. And it's just, yeah, old school. It's basically that kind of rap that's, my name's Little Baby and I'm here to say. (laughs) That's great. We'll have to post that this week. Yes, definitely. Uh, They didn't win the Grammy, unfortunately, uh, losing to Prince and the Revolution's Kiss, which you could, uh, that song possibly has stood the test of time a little better than... Super Bowl Shuffle, <laughs> which I love. I gotta, I gotta but, come clean there. But was the Prince song about what you do with a Vince Lombardi trophy after <laughs> <Yeah>. you win? <laughs> yes. Dun, dun, dun. That's the end of my report. I mean, there's a million other things I could have gone into. Probably. I mean, I didn't even talk about 49ers uh, own Joe Montana. Never lost the Super Bowl. Wow, Hollywood Joe. Hollywood Joe. <laughs> that is that was that his nickname? Uh, no, I just made that. Uh, that feels right. <laughs> That just look, that I I believed it. I just, if I look up Hollywood Joe, please tell me he's there. Hollywood Joe after because what was it was Broadway. Broadway. Oh yeah, because it was Joe Namath as well. Broadway wasn't Joe. It? That's why. That's why you said he should be Hollywood Joe. He'd be Hollywood Joe now. You said so. I'm hoping. Oh right. Nah, it doesn't seem to. Oh Hollywood Joe football. No Joe. It just comes up with Joe Namath. <laughs> Damn. Sorry to disappoint you there Damn with it. a joke that was taken seriously. <laughs> <laughs> Don't want to undermine everyone's going, geez, this guy knows NFL. <laughs> I don't want to undermine that now because <laughs> people have been listening for a couple of hours going, geez, this guy is all over it. Great report. I really I found that interesting. I don't know too much. I'd never watched the Super Bowl end to end. No. Maybe I will this year. Yeah. But will that involve getting up at 4 a.m.? Uh, no, no, it's sort of, it's, it's a bit later in the morning because they play, oh, the day games over there are early in the morning here, but they're not. Twilight night games yep. are at a sort of reasonable morning hour. I will say it's usually on actually when I'm working at the project that yes. I have it on and I will – everyone stops and watches the halftime show. Of course. Yes. That's the interesting bit. Watching the weekend get lost in mirror, a maze of mirrors this last year, yeah. Yeah, cool. It was sort of, yeah, nothing on uh, Elvis Presto. <laughs> Didn't Beyonce do it a everyone few years got, ago? Yeah, Beyonce's done it a couple of times. Yeah. She did it once with uh, Destiny's Child yeah. and then another time with others and uh, – yeah, I think if she didn't come up, it was because pretty much nothing fucked up. Like <laughs> I think a lot of the last ones have just been pretty good shows, you know. They're, I think they've got pretty good at doing them now. Do we know who's doing 2022? Yeah, we do. It's like a big lineup of um, of uh, hip-hop stars, I think. Right. Okay, that's cool. They're coming together. and Dr. Dre, Snoop Dogg, Eminem, Kendrick Ooh. Lamar, Mary J. Blige. Wow. That's a pretty stacked Yeah, it's pretty good. Yeah, so I imagine that would be a bit of fun. Just a bit. All right. Well, now it's time for everyone's favourite section of the show where we thank a lot of our great supporters. Um, 
We normally begin with the fat quote or question section. I think it has a little jingle, goes something like this. Fat quote or question. Oh, I think he's actually forgotten the ding. That was weird. We were all, Jess and I were looking at Dave and he just stared back at us. Very, very strange. I, but, and, he did. I, I don't. Oh, he did. He done. I didn't hear any ding. I think, well, you know, because I think because I was talking, because I was singing, because we do it, you know, he, he comes in at the end of me singing. I actually held it for a comical amount of time. Yeah, so it's, it's extra funny that? that you didn't but again, hear that for ding. But again, for Matt, ding. I only got, I only got the you looking uh, at me. Is it possible that you're you don't have that pitch, that one note that I've mm. just hit? That might be an, it. Might be an age thing. Sorry, Dave. That, lose that one pitches. note that you nailed. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Never pitchy, always perfect. Yeah. Well, it is so good to be here. Um, a little peek behind the curtain. A, a few weeks has gone by since we recorded <laughs> the rest of this episode. Jess has caught and recovered from a mystery illness. I don't think we'll tell you which one it is. Yeah. See if you can guess at home. Have a little guess. Place, place some money on it, I reckon. Diarrhea. <laughs> I caught, I fought, <laughs> no, and I recovered. And you lost for diarrhea. a while. <laughs> <laughs> so in, in the meantime, we've actually, we now know who's playing in the Super Bowl this week. Uh, it is between the Bengals and the Rams. Uh, my team, the 49ers, lost. Uh, this morning, Melbourne time. Oh. I haven't gotten over it. How about this, Jess and Dave? So I ordered a uh, 49ers jersey and hat about six weeks ago online. It arrived within an hour of us losing oh, today. No. <laughs> <laughs> it was a real brutal ding dong. Yeah, I <laughs> yeah, think ju- just with that information, I know the exact day you've had today and every feeling you've felt. Oh, yeah. my God. Have you looked into the returns policy? <laughs> I'm sticking with them. Can I swap this for a Bengal tiger? <laughs> no, I mean, t- top four, really stoked with the season overall. But, yeah, it was, a, it was a brutal way to go down. They were leading going to the last quarter by 10 points and they were outscored 13 to nil in the last little stretch. It wasn't – couldn't put it together when it counted most of the end. But, you know, hey, it was, it was, it was fun to be involved. And um, I look forward to next season. Everybody went out and gave 110%. And full credit that's to the right, boys, exactly. that's all that matters, you know? No doubt about that. Jimmy Grappolo was as handsome as ever. <laughs> he did make a couple of errors, but, well, you know, nah, what that's fine. he looked but good he, doing it. Yeah. Not his value. Um, so, anyway, we're here to thank uh, a few of our great supporters. Uh, the first one we do on the Fat Quota Questions section, and you can get involved with this at dogonpod.com or patreon.com slash pod, And the first section we do, the fact, quote, or question section, I'll read out a few. Uh, who, people who have signed up on the Sydney Scheinberg level, uh, they get to give us a fact, a quote, or a question. They can also offer us a brag or suggestion if they want. I think there's maybe a few others that I've forgotten as well. Um, and they also get to give themselves a title. First up, from Lisa Viana. We've got uh, Lisa's called themselves the self-appointed overthinkers of answers. Maybe. Okay. <laughs> Even overthinking that answer, I love it. <laughs> Very well played. Uh, and Lisa is offering us a fact. And, you know, I love a fact. Love a fact. So Lisa writes, I think you three are vaguely familiar with a few facts about North Carolina. Oh, 
that actually reminds me of, about a fact about North Carolina. Their fire engines are actually blue, not red. Huh. Yeah. That's fun. That's whimsical. How do yeah. you, keep, you keep coming up with so many different ones every time. It's amazing. I don't know how you yeah. do it. Well, got a big book of North Carolina facts. <laughs> uh, Alicia says, but arguably the funnest fact yet has to do with a rival college to that of the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill. It is North Carolina State University, otherwise known as NC State, whose mascot is a wolf compared to UNC's Tar Heel or Ram. What's a Tar Heel? A Ram, I think. Okay. <laughs> I went there for an undergrad and the name of the bus system. So when she said a Tar Heel or Ram, she was just giving me a, she was giving me, I was thinking that they had an option. Like, they had two, yeah. What are a, we feeling w- today? Which one should we go with today? <laughs> I'm in Tar a Ram, Ram mood. <laughs> uh, so Lisa went there for undergrad, and the name of the bus system that goes around campus is the Wolf Line. And at night it becomes the Werewolf. It's written <laughs> on the scrolling text along with the route number. That is a fun – oh, no, sorry, I was going to say it's a fun fact. How dare you. I agree, is it a, is a fun fact, but it's my call to make. I look forward to Jess's ruling on the funness <laughs> of this fact. I say that's fun. I hope it provides Matt and Dave some new NC material. I can't wait – for a US tour. Jeez, you could wait for the end of that sentence, hopefully. Uh, which will hopefully include a ride on the werewolf. I mean, if we are lucky enough. I absolutely love it, but I feel like that leaves you nowhere to go on Halloween. Yeah. <laughs> You're trapped. <laughs> the spooky werewolf. <laughs> oh, okay. Deadly werewolf. Uh, thank you very much for that one, Lisa. This next one comes from Zach Dobrin who's got the title Town Crier shouting day one in reference to that specific episode of Do Go On. Day one. That one that I'm sure we all remember which episode it was. Do you remember which episode that was? No. Mm. No, but I do remember you saying it and it was very, very confusing and funny. Day one. Day one. Day one. But a town crier. Day one. Day one. Hear ye, hear ye. Big bell. Day one. <laughs> and then if. Everyone's waiting. Oh, that's it. Oh, he's done. I don't don't understand the context, do you? Much like that that original moment. What was (laughs) happening? Uh, Zach writes, he's given us a fact as well. He writes, if you Google who invented the popcorn ball while in the USA, the answer given is the Nebraska weather. According to whatscookingamerica.net, the popcorn ball supposedly invented itself during the year of the striped weather, which came between the years of the big rain and the great heat, where the weather was both hot and rainy. The sun shone on the cornfield until the corn began to pop, while the rain washed the syrup out of the sugar cane. The field was on a hill and the cornfield was in a valley. The syrup flowed down the hill into the popped corn and rolled it into great balls, some of them hundreds of feet high and look like big tennis balls at the distance. You never see any of them now because the grasshoppers ate them all up in one day on July 21st, 1874. Is this a Dr. Seuss book? Yeah, what's going on? (laughs) It could have been your reading of it was quite whimsical and poetic. (laughs) Well, I think it's, (laughs) I think it's like, it's just like, my reading of it is they've they've come up with a, a mythical Backstory for the popcorn ball. Wow. 
do you know what a popcorn ball is? Well, only from the context here. I assume it's a, a sugary ball uh, of I'm popcorn. assuming that's a real thing that happened. Yeah, oh, okay. yeah, great. That's cool too. That's my assumption. Well, That's here, very cool. here down under, uh, the the Great Flood happened, and we had LCM bars were created <laughs> in their little packets. What was the LC- What did LCM stand for? Good Does anyone question. know? I don't think it ever. I don't think it stood for something. I feel like I've heard this, and it was just they just liked the combination of letters. Yeah, that's right. I think we've discussed this before. It's essentially like a rice krispie treat. Yeah, absolutely right. We've heard it could be little crunchy munchies or light crispy morsels. The truth is, this is from the Kellogg's website, it actually doesn't stand for anything at all. We wanted to find a name that was catchy and a bit different. So they went for LCM. LCMs just seem to hit the mark. Oh. Surely you just, you come up with something. I call yeah. little Jessies. Yeah. <laughs> little Bobbers, that's fun. Well, you'd come up with something, you'd say that some sort of uh, natural flood slash heat situation yeah. happened. Yeah. That's, that's pretty funny. Um, yeah, I choose to believe popcorn balls real, and uh, it was a momentous day. And there's talk that it could happen again, like, much like the coming of Jesus. I believe <laughs> popcorn balls will return. We're counting down wow. the days. Yeah. So I think yeah. So I've just I've looked up the same thing. Uh, <laughs> Zach cut off the first bit, which is there is a Nebraska legend that the popcorn uh-huh. ball is actually a. Which I like that he cut that off. <laughs> yeah, it is legendary. He didn't realise that I also. It is legendary. It is legendary. So... And he submitted it as a fact. Is that right? I mean, his his fact was it, he was very clever about. It. He said, "If you Google this question, oh, this is the answer." Good. It that's gives. good. But I was going to say and that is a fact. It could be fact, quote, or question, brag, legend, or suggestion. <laughs> oh, that's true. <laughs> Honestly, you can tell us anything. Yeah. We really don't care. Just I really tell enjoyed us. that one very much. I loved it. I've, I've enjoyed both. Facts don't, do they not come up that often? I, I enjoyed both those facts very much. This next one is a brag. Yes. And it comes from Paloma Velasquez. Yes, Paloma. Brag at us. Paloma's got the title of Murder of Dave's Book Cheat Shoutouts. Ooh. M- murder. <laughs> Murderer. Murderer of Dave's book cheat shout-outs. Yeah, I, I was doing them. Every episode then Paloma came along and killed the segment. Wow. Uh, so here is uh, Paloma's brag. Or two brags, by the looks of it. Two brags. One, as my title suggests, I'm proud to say I killed the book cheat Patreon shout-outs. My book was the next to be read and then Dave stopped and has never done them again. <laughs> so I can only assume that my favourite book was so horrible that Dave chose to retire the entire practice rather than continue with more. Dave, can you confirm? <laughs> Absolutely. I just couldn't read out those words and it was unfair to keep going and skip it, so I just shut them down. Yeah. Uh, the other brag is after two years of steady listening, I've now worked my way through the entire back catalogue of Do Go On. I just wanted to thank you guys for the many hours of entertainment you've given me during these past two pandemic-filled years. There have been some incredible highs, including George Mallory in the 1924 Everest Expedition, which is... Paloma's all-time favourite episode. Wow. Uh, and a few brutal lows. <laughs> and, <laughs> and, and they are? Yeah. I, I was, I'm so hoping he's about to name some episodes here and just be like, rubbish. Mm. Uh, no, a few brutal lows, including listening to Jess's soul breaking or a million pieces during the Riverdance episode. And I feel lucky to have been able to listen along the journey. You guys are amazing. Thank you for everything. Again, I mean, you call that a brag, but really it just feels yeah. 
like a flattering. And honestly, anybody anybody who's been with us from the very beginning it deserves a medal. The people who, like, uh, you know, we've gotten a lot better at what we do. So if you've discovered us in the last couple of years and then you go back and listen to six years ago, which I tried to do on a very long road trip recently and I had to turn it off because it was insufferable. (laughs) So if you've done that and you've stuck with us, you, oh, my God, we owe... We owe you money. Like, don't become a Patreon. <laughs> You've done the work. So yeah. we, I, so we we started off really bad. I mean, I don't necessarily think that. Oh, I don't um, think we were bad. Good now, I think but... we've gotten better. But it was right. fuck. It took like twenty five minutes to get onto the topic. We just oh, yeah. interrupted each other the whole time. This was pre Zoom. You know, it wasn't. <laughs> it wasn't because of a lag. Um, it was. Yes, I awful. remember when I came. To an episode, and I said we've got to cut down on the pre-show preamble. And you and Dave both said, "Fuck you, Matt. Fuck you. Is that right? We will talk for as long as we fucking like you, low dog. Is that right? You're a low sick dog, Matt. (laughs) Fuck off. Yeah, you can fuck right off, you dog. You're a piece of shit, Matt. Yep. Fuck. Yes. And you were putting on like brass knuckles as you were (laughs) saying it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, ironically foaming at the mouth. Calling you a dog. <laughs> and I stand by that. I stand by it. What I'm saying is if you go back to the start, the good old days, that's where we just waffle on. <laughs> now we just waffle on at the end. That's all. We need to do this. I think it's a much this. better place to waffle. People can, people can, if they, the true days. believers can keep listening and the people who really hate the waffle, they can just turn off. Huh. Feels like the best of both worlds. Yeah. I think you were right that fateful day when <laughs> that conversation went exactly that way. You know, if you, if you Google who invented Dugan waffle, uh-huh. you'll get an answer. The Nebraska weather. <laughs> According to whatscookingamerica.net, the Dugan waffle supposedly invented itself during the year of the... All right, you guys were going to let me go on. You read the whole yeah. thing, but in yeah, that whimsical tone again. We love waffle. We'll never stop you. <laughs> All right. Thank you, Paloma. Very, very nice. Oh, and really. just quickly on the book cheat shout-outs, I just didn't do any last year because no, I stopped and I thought, I wonder if anyone will notice. And literally we got through the whole year without anyone mentioning it. So I thought, <laughs> I'm doing this for me at this stage. No one cares. <laughs> did you well, anybody, Paloma noticed. Would anybody notice if we didn't do it or do go on? But Paloma, I, uh, I apologise I didn't get to your book. But, I, again, it was awful. I couldn't read it. <laughs> Insufferable. <laughs> Uh, and finally from the Fat Quota question this week, Nathan J. Damon, Ooh. whose title is Dad. Hey, Dad. Hey, Dad. Hi, Dad. And uh, Dad's question this week is... Yes, Father? <laughs> I asked this a while ago, but here I go again. How are you? My answer, not bad. Okay. That's good to hear, That Nathan. is good to hear. He answered his own question. Appreciate that. Um, Nathan, 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 Nathan. Where to begin, my friend? Um, you know, me personally, uh, uh, on the mend from coronavirus 19 <laughs> and, um, bravely battled it. Uh, didn't move from the couch for a good 10 days, but here we are. I walked the dog all by myself today. So I guess anything's possible is, um, is how I'm feeling. I'm feeling anything is possible. Oh, that's nice. Try and top that. You fucking dogs. Go on. How are you? 
Who cares? I'm, I'm feeling pretty low. Have you had COVID? After... Have you had COVID? <laughs> no, look, I haven't, had, I haven't had COVID. Knock on wood. But he oh, has had diarrhea. This table is glass. <laughs> Jesus. Are you feeling low because I have been away and you missed me? Yes. Uh, you lift me up. Yes. You are the wind beneath my wings. Yes. Uh, you complete me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, um, yeah, it's so good to have you back. Yeah. Well, Even though, uh, wait. Next week's episode, do you no, you are away for the following couple yeah, of Yeah, it's in the future that I am away. Um, do you yeah, even mention it on the podcast? Yeah, uh, surely. Uh, we put out a Patreon bonus episode today where uh, Alexi Toliopoulos, a mm. fantastic friend and film expert, filled in for you on our Phrasing the Bar podcast. On and, my podcast, yeah. Uh, your, he filled in for the host uh, <laughs> amazingly and um, Matt did pronounce you as dead on that Okay, podcast. okay. Okay. But I want everyone to know that it was minutes after we'd got a message from you saying, I'm finally feeling better. So that's what... <laughs> Starting to. It was a slow, it was a slow but, uh, incline. Um, but, yeah, no, I'm definitely the one who's the most hard done by and, um, and really I think the only one Nathan wanted to hear from. But anyway, Dave, how are you? I'm fine, Nathan. Thanks yeah. for asking. <laughs> so there you go, Nathan. Uh, Matt's pretty low. Uh, Dave, pretty low, Dave's Dad. fine, and I'm uh, I'm a battler. I'm uh, incredibly brave, and uh, I will are. survive. Always forging on. Yeah. Um. Fantastic, Jess. That is great to hear. <laughs> the little Aussie battler. Is that what he wanted? Probably not. Uh. Jess, yes. uh, we're now at the point where we like to thank a few of our other great supporters. You normally come up with a bit of a game, um, normally something to do with the topic. The topic is the Super, Super Bowl. Bowl, yeah, yes. from weeks ago now. Um, and and in between I've had COVID, so <laughs> I don't know if I heard to that. Um, can we name their, their football team? Yeah, great. I like that. I think oh, I should also say another bit of big news that's happened since we recorded I think Tom Brady's retired. Oh, yes. It, Did we? And it seemed to come out that they denied it, but it seems like maybe it, it is true, maybe. I feel like we ended Tom Brady's career. Oh, you no. know how sometimes we mention a topic on this episode and finally get yeah. solved? Yeah. We, Matt spent about 15 minutes talking about how good this guy's career is, how it will never stop, he'll Remember never die. Remember we just looked at pictures of him for a bit? Yeah. And we're like, oh. oh. <laughs> we, I wonder if we edited that bit out, Matt. But anyway, but, <laughs> it did go for a long time. We're going, whoa, Tom oh, Brady, I like this, naming, naming the team maybe based on the city? Yeah. So the city and then just the, and the mascot, love that. Because yeah. I think the team that beat us today, I, I, you know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm still hurting, but I do think they've got a good gridiron football team name, the Rams. I just yeah. think that's a, it's a great two groups of people running at each other name. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is good. Um, I'll my uh, the Aussie version of that. I'm gonna I'll use here today. I think. We have Rams but, uh, too, don't we? <laughs> yeah, we do. I, I mean the Australian, but I'm. I I'll, I'll, got a good, I'll, I'll follow by example. I think we've got a good native animal that loves to run at other at things. Oh, okay. Yeah. You you see if you can guess it. Loves to run. At things. <laughs> I don't know. All right. <laughs> if I can kick us off, I'd love to thank from Kettering in the United States, I think maybe in Maryland. Maryland. It's Victor Grubbs, oh, which what is about such a fucking great Victor name. Victor Grubbs. God, what about the, the, the Acasters? Because I'm pretty sure James Acaster is from the English Kettering. So the Kettering Acasters. 
That sounds pretty good. Oh, I don't, I don't mind that. Hattering mm, mm. Acasters. Yeah, I think that's good because, I mean, we heard about it early in the episode that the Browns are just named after a guy. Yeah, that's <laughs> right, named yeah. After a guy. And the 49ers <laughs> are just named after a number. So the, the Kettering Acres, right. they're just named after. The gold rush started or whatever. <laughs> the coach just named them after the most recent uh, stand-up special he'd watched and it was James Acaster. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> I like that. Oh, another thing I learned today with the AFC Championship is, um, which came out of the AFL. Uh, you might not have a lot of memory of this, but it, <laughs> the, the trophy they win for the AF, for the AFC Championship today is named after the man who started all the guy named the Super Bowl and everything. I'm blanking on his name right now, <laughs> but anyway, John, was it Johnny Bowl? Johnny Bowl. Middle name uh, Soup. Soup. <laughs> And they were like, the Super Bowl, that's ridiculous. Super Bowl. <laughs> Fantastic. The Googling it. The Lamar Hunt Trophy. Ah. He was, I'm pretty sure he was the guy whose kid was using the Super Bowl. Yes. And he's oh, also the one. Yes. He was the one who started. He, he basically couldn't get a team in the NFL, so that's why he put, oh, brought yes. together some rich people to make the AFL instead. He was a millionaire. I reckon even a multi-million. Oh, can, can you have more than one million? Yeah. Can you? Yeah, this guy How many can it. you have? I don't know if they've limited it. What? You can have unlimited millions. Unlimited millions. No, that's not true. Dave, is he pulling my leg? Matt, that was yeah. a genuine question. Don't take the piss. <laughs> I'm genuinely asking how many millions you're allowed to have. Matt's just making up numbers. Oh, Maddie. Not fair. Not fair. <laughs> Anyway, thank you, Victor, from the Kettering Acasters. I'd also love to thank from Brighton in Great Britain, Nick Wilson. Nick Wilson. Well, we know that Nick Cave lives in Brighton in Great Britain, so maybe the uh, Red Right Hands. Oh, that's great. The Brighton Red Right Hands. Bit of a mouthful, maybe. Yeah, maybe just right hands or red hands. Take your pick, right hands or red hands. As a left-hander, I find right hands offensive, so let's go for the bright and red hands. Yeah, no, bright I and red hands. My, a red right hand and you are literally not allowed to throw the ball with your left hand. Mm. The coach comes out with a ruler and hits it. You attempt to do that. Very old school. Thank you very much, Nick Wilson of the Brighton Red Hands. Caught red-handed. That's something yeah. as well. All right, and finally from me, I'd love to thank from Abbotsford, a little closer to home, Abbotsford in Melbourne, Victoria, Australia, Daniel Headley. The Abbotsford Doggies. Doggies. <laughs> because. Doggy. Doggies. Because my dog goes to a doggy daycare at Abbotsford. Okay. <laughs> so it's the Abbotsford Doggies. Karma Doggies. Never short of a mascot then. <laughs> yes, yeah, so yeah. many of them. Love it. Hey, do you want me love to thank that. a few beautiful people? I yeah. would love for you to thank some people. Because, again, not their value, but somehow we've picked another nine beautiful members. Come on, old hotties. Uh, this one is going to be slightly harder because we've got no location known, <gasps> possibly deep within the fortress of the moles, but a big shout-out nonetheless to Justin Edwards. Ooh, the oh, the fortress foxes. Oh, that's fun. They're little mole people wearing yeah. fox outfits. Yeah. That's because yeah, imagine, because it like it couldn't be moles. Because imagine us having a team where their mascot is a human. We'd be like, yeah, like go. a community. Yeah, that's, that's right. what I was thinking. <laughs> <laughs> the humans and uh, famous for their defense uh, in the fortress. Good on you, Justin Edwards. And I would also like to thank you. Never going to believe this, guys, but uh, also 
unknown location, possibly also in the fortress. fortress. Shelly Fitness. Well, Shelly Fitness, she plays on the other side of the local derby in the Fortress of the Knolls. Yeah. Uh, She plays for the Fortress Wombats. Oh. Who is the Australian animal that I was thinking of who likes to run at things. When you said the animal likes to run at things, I was like, oh, wombats. But then then immediately after I was like, is that a thing I know about wombats? I don't think it's a thing I know either. But how do we both know that? I say no in inverted commas there. They just feel like they'd run at things. Yeah, they do feel like that. They're little barrels. They do some damage, you know. And they they, do square poop. (laughs) They do. I had no idea what you which animal I was would have guessed emu, and you would have been oh, so dumb, such so a stupid guess. Picture an, an emu <laughs> playing gridiron. Well, fortunately for me, I didn't. It. I didn't say it out loud, so fortunately, I got away I with my stupid. You did get away with that one. Though. Stupid <laughs> guess. <laughs> I didn't know fitness could be a name. That's know, a honestly. fantastic name, Shelly Fitness. Ob- obviously, yeah. nominative determinism. Shelly Fitness, super fit. Oh, absolutely, works. yeah. One of the running backs, I'm sure, Shelly Fitness. Or wide receivers. Which one's a fitter? <laughs> Let's go wide receiver. Hey, I'd like to thank also from, is this, can this be right from uh, Kappa in Hawaii? Ooh. Big aloha to uh, Dustin Sandane. Dusty. Dusty Sorry. Sandane. Dusty, rather. If I said Dustin, that's because I didn't want to stuff up your last name. I put it all in there. <laughs> I think that is fantastic. I love that. One of his names has sand and the other one has dust. Oh, it's good. That's dust, so good. Dusty sand. So what are we we're talking about? The the Kappa, what are we thinking? Lawn chairs. Yes. Ooh. Kappa lawn chairs. That is a fierce mascot. Yeah. <laughs> it just sounds like a, a grassroots club that, you know, they're like, we're not going to invest in ex- expensive stuff. That's yeah. to watch the game in. It's more about the game. We invest in our players. I, I think the owner of the Kappa lawn chairs owns a lawn chair factory. Yeah, an outdoor <laughs> like, furniture I'll, store. <laughs> I'll fund this team, but I need a I need a link in the business somewhere. Yeah, and I think that makes sense. That's just savvy business. Yeah, that is savvy. Right there. Which is the name of the owner? Savvy business. Savvy business. <laughs> Great name. Again, nominative determinism. Wow. Come down to savvy business. Yeah. We have lawn furniture galore. If it's on the floor, it's out the door. <laughs> oh, I'm a savvy business. <laughs> Come see me, Savvy Business, and my son, Savvy Business Junior. Savvy B, Savvy B Junior. (laughs) (laughs) Are we very good at what we do or are we very bad at it? (laughs) And uh, if I introduce you to my other son, Risky, I can hear him coming now. He's like, Dad, stop playing that song. No one gets I it. I'm seven. I want to be a dancer. I assumed for a second that you were going for a risky BJ joke. No, but it was risky business. Risky I business. <laughs> one thing leads to another. <laughs> How would it be risky? I suppose like if it was on a cliffside. Anyway. Oh, yeah, wow. Can I thank some, some people as well? BJ, BJ. BJ. <laughs> I would love to thank from Narimba in Queensland, Scott Atkinson. Narimba. The Narimba. Bimbles. uh, (laughs) Narimba Bimbles. Okay. Love it. What's the mascot? (laughs) It's a bimble, you idiot. Right. right. 
Are you guys glad I'm back? Sorry. I haven't spoken to anybody in a couple of weeks. It doesn't show. <laughs> All right, I've Googled Bimble. Yeah, what have we got? There's walk or travel at a leisurely pace. Perfect. Perfect. Oh, no, perfect. Great for this game. No speed required. <laughs> leisurely walk or journey. You're telling me that Narumba Bimbles isn't the best thing you've ever heard. You're joking. I love it. You're joking. Uh, if you would like me to put into a sentence, I can because the dictionary does have <laughs> options here. <laughs> On Sunday, we bimbled around Spitfields and Brick Lane or... We were enjoying a pleasant bimble over the rocks. I love that, actually. Yeah. We're going to start saying bimble. That's delightful. I, I made that up, but it's it's a delightful little word. N- the Narimba bimbles. Narimba that bimbles. That's really good. That's fine. Let's see if we can follow that. Yeah, tough. Uh, tough to follow Thank you, that. Scott. Uh, we also uh, want to thank Shauna Mallow from Overland Park. Oh, the Overland Park. Trombones. Oh. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, Matthew. Is that Camp Kansas? Is that KS? KS? Overland Park. KS? I would assume so. I think, yeah. KS, yeah. Overland Park, Park Kansas, hey? Trombones. I'm not in Kansas anymore. But, I mean, that is not true for Shauna Mallow, who is Matt, in Kansas anymore. We've had the wombat thing and we did yep. the trombone thing. Uh-huh. Let's see if we can say the same thing for this right. next one. Mind melded. Because we are pretty melded. Yes. Let's see. Sorry, Dave, you're not included. Now, thank okay. you, Shauna. <laughs> Finally, I would love to thank from Carshelton in uh, what's what, somewhere in Great Britain. Love to thank Surrey, maybe. Surrey, yeah, probably. I would love to thank Thomas Palmer. Thomas Palmer and the no, that's not a so band. The Carshelton hand, hand grenades. <laughs> grenades. Hand, the hand grenade. grenades. Wow, that's that... a great. That's a pretty fun band name, but in this case, a great football name. The Carshelton <laughs> hand job grenades. What comes before a risky BJ? A hand job grenade. <laughs> oh no, they've thrown a hand job grenade. Oh. It goes off, and all the soldiers start giving each other hand jobs. <laughs> Everyone's reaching around. Oh. They know the rules. <laughs> it's like there was a, a, a Get Smart movie that was made well after the TV show stopped and I think in it it was a, the big thing they were trying to stop was a nude bomb, if I'm remembering oh. that right. And what is it, does it strip you off? I think everyone just gets naked when it blows up. That would be horrific. But this would be taking it to the next level. Mm. Anyway, uh, let's go and job grenades. Uh, thank you so much to Thomas, Shauna, Scott, Dusty, Shelley, Justin, Daniel, Nick, and Victor, legends one and all. And the last thing we need to do before we wrap up this week's Super Bowl spectacular show is uh, welcome a few people into the Triptych Club. Uh, now, Dave, can you explain quickly for new listeners how the Triptych Club works? Well, Matt, these are the people that have been on that shout-out level that we just shouted out to, but... They've stayed on that level for, or above, would say, for three consecutive years. So we gave them a shout-out probably a couple of years ago and to thank them again and uh, immortalise their names, we welcome them into the Triptych Club, which is kind of like a little clubhouse. Uh, It's a disco, it's a restaurant, it's an eatery, it's a banquet hall. It's everything you want it to be, basically. It's heaven on earth. And once you're in, you're in for life. You are a life member and... uh, I'm on the door. Well, Matt's on the door reading out the names. I'm shouting you out. I'm giving you a hype up. Jess hypes me up to keep the buzz going. Um, 
And, uh, yeah, Jess usually comes up with a cocktail to serve at the club. Oh, what's the Super Bowl cocktail? I misheard and every, everything is soup. Everything I have is soup. The cocktails are actually soup. And then all the food I've got is just soups. I just got oh, no. lots and lots of soup. And it's hot in Melbourne. It's, too, it's not soup weather. Oh, crap. I didn't hear you properly. Well, <laughs> is there a gazpacho on offer? Or? No. Oh. Only really hot soups. <laughs> I can't emphasize how hot they are. It's too hot to drink. <laughs> and you got to let them sit for a good 20 minutes. Oh. I've made a terrible mistake. <laughs> They're too hot. <laughs> <laughs> hey, it's yes, yes, it's okay. You've had two weeks in isolation to order this. <laughs> I just want Look, soup. You've been, <laughs> hey, you've been you've been sick. Yeah, you put, you had soup on the mind. Yeah. Okay, it's. I thought you said soup. <laughs> I like soup. I'm looking forward to having a soup. The trip did okay, cover. Make sure just you let it sit for twenty minutes because you're gonna burn everything. <laughs> Did you get some crusty bread? No, just soup. <laughs> and Dave, you normally book a band. Yeah, actually, uh, I actually didn't mishear the episode title. So, um, and we wanted to get a bit of a crossover going with the NFL, with the Super Bowl. And they said to me, Dave, you can have any band that's played at the halftime show over the last 50 years. And I said, fantastic. I'll, uh, I'll take a look here. And, of course, I've booked the one and only... University of Arizona Symphonic Marching Band. Yes, I love them. From Super Bowl One. Yes. Oh, that's great. I was yes. really hoping you were going to be able to get Elvis Presto. But, um, <laughs> yes, sorry. I mean, they would have been my second choice. And I've been watching a few since then. I watched the Prince halftime uh, show again. So good. And I, I love how on, on a lot of the performances, they'll still have the marching bands involved. Mm. You know, they'll have the big. Superstar pop stars, or rock stars, or whatever. But then they'll have they'll nearly always seem to incorporate the marching bands as well, which I think is sick. It's a, it just yeah makes for a great vibe. Yeah, great vibe. But obviously, uh, fifty five years have gone past, um, <laughs> and the marching band they're all now in their mid seventies plus. So luckily, uh, they don't chew so well anymore, and we've got a lot of soup. <laughs> <laughs> Help yourself, please. <laughs> Normally it's just for guests, but yeah, the band no, can but, yeah. this week. I've obviously. honestly got too much soup, so do us a favour, have some soup. All right, so Dave, are you ready for this? We've got nine inductees this week. Let's get, a, let's get a pace going. That's a Super Bowl amount. <laughs> we've got, right, it. You we've ready? got it. All right, first up from Bothell in <laughs> Washington, United States, it's Jesse Wheeler. Jesse Wheeler and Dealer. Yeah. From Perth in Western Australia, it's Darcy Jacobson. Darcy, more like classy Jacobson. Yes. All right. Ooh, la-dee-da, good sir. From <laughs> Chico in California, United States, it's Juan and Sierra Uriate. Ooh, number Juan. Yes. You are my number Juan. Yes, that's From so Wilmington in California, United States, it's I'm not fine, but I'll be okay. Oh, more like you're going to be the best person yes. in the club tonight. 
from Marblehead in Massachusetts, I reckon, United States. It is John Rains. Oh, make it rains. Yeah, make it rains good times. Yeah. From Colleen in the Australian Capital Territory, it's Alison Winion. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Keep on winning. Yes. Yes. I mean, and if it was wine, whining, whining and dining. Whining and dining. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. From yeah, yeah. Preston in Victoria, Australia, it's Alice. Oh, we're not going to have a Alice in the Palace. We're going to have Alice in the Palace. Yeah, come on in, my queen. From London in Great Britain, it's Amy Louise Casey. Oh, a person so nice. They named them three times. Amy Louise Casey. <laughs> yes. Good switcheroo there, yes. yes. And finally, from Dudley in Great Britain, it's Mark Harris. Mark Harris, not from Dudley, but he's my Budley. Yes, and oh, my he's God. he's a Studley. Yes. Yeah, all right. Impeccably Thank you so much, done. Mark Amy, Alice, Alison, John, I'm not fine. Juan and Sierra, Darcy and Jesse, welcome into the club. Make yourselves at home. Get ready for that marching band entertainment. Enjoy that marching band. Enjoy that soup. Grab yourself a soup. Just let it settle. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I misheard. We all make mistakes. I just had some. I just really burnt my tongue. I I literally said it's way too hot. I I can't help myself. So that brings us to the end of the episode. We've got a lot of soup to eat, so we should really get going. Uh, Jess, anything we need to tell everyone before we boot this baby home? Um, just that we love them, that I could not have survived COVID-19 without them, um, and that if they want to get in touch with us, they can do so at dogoonpod at gmail.com. You can find us on all social medias at dogoonpod uh, or on our website, dogoonpod.com. Fantastic. Well, that does bring us to the end of the episode. Uh Yes, it's been great to see you again. And um, unfortunately, uh, I will have to ban you from the next two episodes <laughs> from what you did with the soup. That was really, you know, unthinkable what you did. Yes, yeah. Unprofessional. That's, no, yeah, you're right. That's fair enough. I will take a paid two-week sabbatical. Yeah, yeah okay. Well, no one <laughs> anything about paid, but all right. <laughs> so Matt and I will be back next week. Uh, just, well, think about what you did. Until then, I'll say thank you so much and goodbye. Later. Bye. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.